Renamed submarine, I can't. The sailfish, right? So the sailfish is what it was recommissioned to after it was originally sunk as the Squalus. That's right. That's right. Catchier name. Squalus sounds like squalor. Sounds like there's like somebody you know is a hubble. <laughs> it kind of was. It's just dog, <laughs> the scientific term for dogfish. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, and Michelle, of course, looking forward to another haunted locale from from you tonight. Very excited about that. Yes, we're doing the Whaley House and Yankee Gym. All right. And uh, Joe is going to be a little bit late joining us. He, he should be here uh, at the bottom of the hour. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so tonight uh, for horror. Okay, so I was like, where do I go f- from, you know, I- I've done I've done the undead, I've done cosmic horror, I've done animal horror, and what do I do next? And I'm like, you know what? Psychological thrillers. That's a horror in and of itself, you know. I mean, sometimes they're horror, sometimes they're crime, um, but a lot of it has to do with the horror of mental anguish, um, which is probably one of the greatest horrors that any of us could possibly relate to in a, in our own lives. You know, the the most realistic form of horror is probably the psychological thriller. Great examples of that are, uh, you know, uh, the movie Seven. Uh, great movie uh, with Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and an actor I won't name because he's per- a freak. Um, and uh, and of course, that didn't make my list tonight because it's like everybody knows about Seven. Everybody knows about that movie. What's, What's in it? the box? What's in the box? Uh, so I decided to go for maybe so, uh, some a few lesser known movies. Some of them definitely are, are known. You know, you guys have, have heard of a lot of these. But uh, so so basically, my criteria criteria for this is like something really horrible and wrong happens uh, that you know again causes mental anguish, or I I kind of went the, the there's a couple in here that are uh, more on the the crime thriller spectrum, uh, you know about serial killers and things like that, but had master masterful performances. I'm not typically. The guy who wants to see somebody um, glorify uh, a serial killer in a movie, but sometimes those movies are done very well. 
And uh, but I, I prefer fictionalized accounts. But a couple, you know, uh, two at least two of the movies I picked are based on actual events. Um, but the first one I picked, and these are all from like the last twenty three years. So they, they, we're not going to delve into, you know, um, you know, Alfred Hitchcock or anything like that, because we could do a show just on Hitchcock uh, himself, you know. Uh, and I think we have, haven't we? <laughs> I don't know. Or one of my favorites, Night so. of the Hunter. That was very psychological. Oh, Night of the Hunter. Yeah, that's it. That Robert Mitchum in probably one of the creepiest roles ever of a former pastor turned serial killer. Oh, oh yeah, brother love and brother hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that I think was that the first example of love and hate uh, knuckle tattoos. So I'm guessing it was pretty creepy and yeah. very memorable. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that on uh, on DVD in our store, and it it's it's constantly getting eyeballs on it. So that's a it, it probably won't last long. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. We're going to start off with one from, I think it's really underrated, um, and I think it often gets overlooked as uh, like an action film, but it's absolutely not. Um, and it's uh, from 1999, directed by the late, great Joel Schumacher. Yes, we I forgive him for Batman nipples, um, because he did plenty of other fantastic films. Uh, including this one starring Nicolas Cage in a very young Joaquin Phoenix, not that super young. Do you know what movie I'm talking about, Michelle? Uh, not offhand, no. Uh, it's a number in two letters, 8mm. Such a creepy movie. Um, basic. Oh, yes. Yeah, this uh, uh, Nicolas Cage is a private uh, investigator hired by a widow who uh, recently opened her late husband's uh, safe and found some rolls of 8mm film. And one of them appears to contain a brutal, brutal snuff film. Yeah. And uh, Nicolas Cage's job is to find out whether or not it is real. Here, here's the trailer. This is the mortgage. Cindy's college money. If I do right by Mrs. Krishnan, the circle she runs in, this could be the break we've been waiting for. Can't take more than a couple weeks. That's all I can tell you, honey. Sometimes you can't know what I'm doing. It's better that way. It's always that way. You come highly recommended, Mr. Wells. You're praised for your discretion. Thank you, ma'am. As you know, my husband passed away recently. Yes. My husband was the only one with the combination to the safe. These were my husband's private things. I didn't. I didn't realize. Do you want to tell me what you found, Mrs. Christian? Private Detective Tom Wells is one of the only people who has seen it. It is eight millimeters wide. It runs at 16 frames per second. And he has been hired to discover. All I want is to know that this atrocity is false. I want the proof of it. If what's on it is real. Finding the guys who made this film is going to be very difficult. I need information. I thought you might be able to help. You name the vice, I name the price. 
I'm gonna tell you, there's things that you're gonna see that, that you can't unsee. They get in your head and they stay there. Joaquin Phoenix in a belly Some shirt. doors should never be opened. Tom, where are you? You dance with the devil. The devil don't change. The devil changes you. Because once you go through... Okay. There is no going back. No! Nicholas Cage. I'm trying to understand! Whoever you were, just forget about it. I can't. There's no one left to finish this but me. By Joel Schumacher. Yeah, so this movie is highly disturbing. Highly disturbing. But I, I like that there's some things that you, that can't be unseen or whatever. Joaquin Phoenix said, and I, and I don't know if you caught it, but I said, like, Joaquin Phoenix in a belly shirt. Um, so, <laughs> it, not that it's a bad thing, but I saw it, and it's a very memorable image. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. A really great, intense uh, film, um, and uh, it's it's one of Nicolas Cage's uh, better roles, you know, because he did he did some some goofball stuff. But again, I used to really look down on Nicolas Cage because of his bad movies, but he did a lot of good movies that I you know you know it, it's like I'll look past his Batman nipples too, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I like Nick Cage because he lets his weird flag fly. Yeah, and, um, I, that I, I don't I don't I'm not I'm not that does not bother me at all. Yeah, you know, but you know, you look at things like the uh, you know uh, uh, Face Off with Travolta that that was a great movie too. Um, but uh, you know, and he was just nuts. Him and Travolta were both nuts in that. I think they just tried to out nuts each other. But yeah, this. This film, a uh, very dark subject matter, Miles, and uh, is this one that you've seen or heard of? I have heard of it, have not seen it. Yeah, so, uh, and, and uh, for obviously it's, uh, it has some very troubling uh, uh, material in it, but there is a, 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 a fun scene. I liked how um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Nicolas Cage... <laughs> Um, uh, work together on screen. This is the scene where, uh, actually, the, uh, Michelle, you posted a GIF uh, of the beginning of this scene, um, and uh, basically, Joaquin Phoenix works in a pretty sleazy uh, 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 adult movie book toy store, and um, Nicolas Cage goes to him basically looking for advice on research as to where something of the nature of this, you know, snuff film, I'm not going to get it, you know, and obviously you can draw your own conclusions as to what else was on the tape, you know, on the film. Um, but, uh, you know, as to why he's going to a pornographer or somebody who, you know, deals in pornography. Um, and, uh, this is their back alley meeting about it. And it, it, it ends with a really funny little, <laughs> Quip. Remember me? Oh, yeah. Came back for the better operative vagina after all. I need information. I thought you might be able to help. Thomas Wells. Nice picture. What sort of information are you looking for? Because I got all different kinds. The kind I'll pay for. 
All right, Master. Now, I don't know what you're looking for, but uh, so we're clear from the start. I'm straight. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> hey, zip it. Now, I can hook you up, though, you know. Okay, you name the vice, I name the price. How long have you been working here? Well, almost two years. What's your name, if you don't mind me asking? Max. Here's the deal, Max. This thing I'm on right now has something to do with underground pornography, stuff that's sold under the counter illegally. There's not much illegal out there. Well, whatever there is, whoever's dealing it, however it's done, I want to know. I want a good look. So if you've got that kind of connection, great. If not, speak now. You're not a cop, are you? If I ask you and you are, you got to tell me. I'm not a cop. You're a private detective, huh? Like Shaft? Waka, 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 waka. <laughs> Say, you ever seen Private Dicks with John Holmes? I got it on sale. All right, how much you make? <laughs> oh. Around 400 bucks a week off the books. Let's pretend I live in the same fantasy world where you make $400 a week in that dump. I'll give you 500 for a few days. Six sounds good, Pops. Five. Here's my number. When can you start? Well, tomorrow night I get off late. Tomorrow. All right. Oh, and, uh... Don't call me Pops. No, of course not. I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> no, of course not. I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> if that didn't have so much background noise on it, I would have clipped it out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, really great interaction with the two. And of course, this, you know, that, that chance meeting lead uh, uh ends up with some leads and it just goes off the rails from there uh but yeah very good uh intense scary movie and again these recommendations are for people who might not necessarily you know they want to be scared but maybe they don't like the horror genre maybe they find it too unbelievable well this is this is stuff that you know is all grounded in reality there might be some aspects of uh, the appearance of the supernatural but generally it's um deception or um uh or, or occultism uh that doesn't really have any hocus pocus to it you know um the uh, the next one definitely probably the, the most grounded and it, it probably teeters on maybe not being psychological horror but i i kind of went with like great performances for the for these movies and all actors that we know and love and uh, many who have gone on, just about every person on this list has played some character in the Marvel Universe, too. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, what's neat about this, though, is it, it's a recurring theme in a lot of the horror genre, the snuff film. Mm -hmm. And it has still yet, there has still never been a single snuff film that's been proven to be factual. An actual film of somebody being killed. Uh, I thought there were some Russian ones. They have not. Uh, as as far as Snopes is concerned, still, it still is a false thing. What about... But there's uh, there's like some clever Dan fakes, but there's no real product as of yet. Well, what about, like, Daniel Berg? Wouldn't that be considered the, the, the jihadis, the head shopping and stuff? Well, that's political propaganda. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a political thing. It may not be considered yeah. the same as a snuff film. Hmm. We're talking about something that's that's specifically people are brought into a 
uh, professional setting, killed, and then the, the film distributed to people with sick personalities, you know? Okay. And I'm sorry, it is it is sick. It, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't make fun of people's, you know, kinks or stuff like that, but watching somebody die for pleasure is sick. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right, but, uh, yeah, so the next one comes to us from uh, 2000, uh, two great actresses in this film, uh, of course, Charlize Theron, and uh, Christina Ricci, who have gone on to uh, amazing uh, heights after this film. And this is one of the ones that's based on a true story. This is um, the Eileen Wuornos story, uh, Monster, from 2003. Uh, what a dazzling you know, uh, uh, you know, performance. I, I know dazzling is probably the wrong word, but what a transformation into the character of Eileen Wuornos. From Charlize Theron, uh, incredible, but yeah, this one a very disturbing film, Monster, two thousand three. When I was little, I had a lot of dreams, and I was always secretly looking for who was going to discover me. Was it this guy, or maybe this one? You never knew. I lived that way for a long, long time, dreaming like that. But one day, it just stopped. I'm kind of broke right now, so I'm just trying to make. Like some cash somehow. Well, maybe I can help you out. By the time I met Selby Wall, all I wanted was a beer. Can I buy you that drink? I got my own money. I'm just trying to talk to someone. Do you want to stay with me? Who was that person? She was just a friend I made. I think she was a street person. Hey, lady love, you need a ride? Can I ask you a question? Are you a prostitute? Hey, man, don't go too far. I just want a little privacy. 30 straight up. You girls, you know, I love them and I hate them. Where'd you get this car? I just borrowed it. Life is funny. It's also strange how things can be so different than you think. Are you okay? I got everything going for me. I'm not a bad person. I'm a real good person. Police urge anyone with any information about these crimes to contact your local authorities. Lee, killed that man. What do you think? You're never gonna understand it, so you gotta trust me. I got it under control, man. She's all screwed up. I was raped, and B2 was gonna get killed. You can't kill people. Says who? He knew. No, tell me. This is your deal. They're coming for us. They got nothing. They're not even looking. There's a whole world of people killing and raping, but I am the only one killing them. People like me and you go down every day. The thing no one ever realized about me was that I could train myself into anything. Uh, this film was written and directed in the, in the directorial debut of Patty Jenkins, who, of course, went on to direct uh, Wonder Woman. And we all know Charlize Theron has been in everything. And Prometheus, Ian Flux, uh, she's now a member of the Marvel Universe as Clea. Uh, you know, uh, done a ton, what Atomic Blonde, that was a good movie she was in. He just it, it, tons of stuff, you know. And, oh, oh uh, Furiosa, Mac, uh, Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Um, and, uh, you know, that she, you know, got a lot of acclaim for, uh, her, her role there. And I think she might've, did she win an Oscar for that? Um, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, so that, that was movie turned out to be a launching point for a lot of, you know, 
you know, for, I mean, I would arguably Christina Ricci, you know, she, she carved out her niche pretty early on as a, as a child actor. And, um, you know, she just started gravitating towards good roles and this is one of them. And, uh, but I think it rocketed Charlize Theron into uh, superstardom. And, uh, and again, you know, Patty Jenkins made that, this made her, uh, a, a real bankable director. Very much so. And, uh, and uh, yeah, Eileen Wernos, uh, she was a Florida serial killer. Yeah, she was. <laughs> so. And she's, you know, one of the most well-known female serial killers. Yeah. And, you know, we, know, we have her in, like, uh, Countess Elizabeth Bathory. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, we, we don't have a lot of the women that, that get into that, that, uh, that niche. Lizzie Borden? No, she only nah. killed two people, and it oh, was okay. basically a a a would what, what we consider a spree killer. Okay, uh, but yeah, so this one, uh, you know, great again, great cast. Bruce Dern was in it as well. Uh, Bruce Dern's in everything, and will be in everything until he uh, whisks off this mortal coil. And uh, I love him. <laughs> he's great. He's great, and he gave us uh, one of uh, one of the greatest actresses with uh, his daughter Laura Dern. Um. And, uh, oh, Francie showed up. Yeah, Francie! So another one on par with this performance-wise because of the physical transformation of the actor into the character. This probably was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen from an actor because this happened, I think, right after Batman Begins. And it was a movie called The Machinist from 2004 with Christian Bale. Have either of you seen this film? Is it a remake of The Machinist with uh, the the dead the Death Wish actor? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, the this is uh, this is a, a psychological thriller. Was that a psychological thriller, or was it just like it was a about a hitman that used? Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not that interesting methods. Uh, no, uh, um, this is about uh, uh, yeah Christian Bale uh, for this role uh, basically lost. Uh, like a hundred pounds or something like that. And was just like, you know, it looks like you could just knock him over with a feather. He's so rail thin in this. Um, and it was the, and I believe it was the year after, uh, Batman begins, uh, came out. if I'm not mistaken, cause I think, or maybe it was, or maybe it was right before Batman begins. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, this movie was from 2004 and it, uh, tells the tale of a guy who is trying to fill in the blanks of his life and he is having a breakdown thinking that people are chasing him and there's a very disturbing twist ending to this film that i think uh, everybody should check out but uh yeah the machine is from 2004 here's the trailer trevor can i ask you something is someone chasing you not yet but they will when they find out who i am oh really why yeah thinner you wouldn't exist how are you doing Resnick I've had a lot on my mind lately there's nothing I can't handle radio says there's a storm on the way I'd say it's already here 
everyone gets insomnia now and then. Stevie, I haven't slept in a year. Sleeping on your own time. I need some help here. Have you noticed anything unusual lately? Unusual? You look like you've seen a ghost. Funny you should say that. The guys at work don't think you exist. Hey, what'd you do? <laughs> Something's happening to me, Stevie. Some kind of plot. I'm on to you, Miller. You know what revenge means, don't you? You okay? Don't I look okay? If you were anything or you wouldn't exist. What's wrong? I don't know. Deja vu. I need to see you now. In case something happens, I need someone to know. Hey! Take the flight guard! Someone chasing you? Not yet. <laughs> but they will when they find out who I am. Yeah, so uh, I just posted a picture in the chat, and I looked up the years uh, between uh, The Machinist and Batman Begins. Uh, the Machinist came out in 2003. Batman Begins came out in 2005. There is a before and after picture of well christian bale uh when he lost the weight for the machinist and then get getting buff for batman begins quite a physical that transformation healthy. it cannot be healthy <laughs> no no i i remember reading an interview about the machinist and he basically said he just like ate celery or something like that it was really ridiculous like you know um but yeah that's uh uh that's Hard to look at and easy on the eyes right there, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's gruesome. Oy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, The Mechanic was the movie you were thinking about, Miles. Yeah, um, Mechanic, Charles Bronson. Um, so, yeah, definitely way different movies. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, a great, great psychological thriller. Uh, I highly recommend this one for anybody, and it it is uh, it 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 keeps you guessing. Some great performances from Michael Ironside, um, and uh, uh, most of the cast I think was was largely unknown, uh, except for Christian Bale. Um, uh, but uh, let me take a look. Yeah. Um, Oh, it came out in 2004. It shot during 2003, though, because it was released on uh, January of 2004. Um, and, uh, yeah, but uh, Michael Ironside, great. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't really, really recognize any of the other actors. But uh, he's kind of being... Um, he keeps seeing the face of a guy who nobody else thinks exists. And he keeps getting these strange cryptic messages in the form of a hangman game, and um, and he thinks it at first it says uh, without all the words being filled in, he thinks it might be Miller, somebody that he works with with the last name Miller, but then it starts to say killer. Um, so uh, very interesting uh, film uh, and very well done. Uh, the next one, I couldn't believe this. I was like. 
Oh my god, I forgot how many MCU people are in this movie. Um, from 2007, the other real-life-inspired movie, uh, Michelle, uh, Zodiac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zodiac, uh, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal is on our list twice. He could have been on this list like five times um, for some of the movies he's done. But uh, Zodiac, Jake Gyllenhaal, of course, played Mysterio. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, who's still currently playing the Hulk. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, of course, uh, and and others. Uh, it's a really great cast. But yeah, this movie is uh, is great. So uh, one of the best told uh, stories about a serial killer um, that ever made, in my opinion. Dear editor. This is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek. Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Lana said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing at a gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout, actually, first class. Well, I've been thinking. Oh, God, Sam, was There's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military blueprints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Dave, you made a mistake! Get away from the window. Paul, are you okay? No. Why'd you do it? You put your face out there for him to see. Hello? Who is this? Zodiac was my job. It's not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac speaking. I have a gun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Do you always go around helping people in the night? I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was... I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? Yeah, so uh, some of the other cast members included uh, Chloe Savigny. I don't know how to say her last name. Anthony Edwards. Of course, uh, you just put John Carroll Lynch in there, Michelle. Uh, yep. Jimmy Simpson, who was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and uh, Westworld. Uh, and Clea Duvall, who was on, um, who's been in a lot of great stuff and was also in Carnival, a great uh, unfinished HBO miniseries or TV series. Yeah, we needed more of that. Yeah, <laughs> one more season. Come on. Uh, that's all. I mean, it was ended on such a cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, it, you know, so, so yeah, you know, uh, but it, it was just so funny to see, uh, you know, um, uh, Mark Ruffalo and, um, 
Robert Downey Jr. I always forget the stuff that Robert Downey Jr. did before Iron Man. It's crazy. It's just because that, that became such an iconic role for him. And it, kind of because, you know, Tony Stark really fit his personality, you know? So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so check out that. Uh, we're going to have to get going to the break right now because i got a lot more movies to talk about. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's some fun ones. We'll have some leftovers for the end of the show. There's one I haven't seen yet that I got for Joe because it has a cast member of Stranger Things and it just came out not that long ago. Um, but Michelle, in the interim, should probably get to our first birthday trailer break tonight. Yeah, I had a little fun with this trailer break. Um, the first, uh, uh, actor we have is Sigourney Weaver, born October 8th, 1949 in Manhattan, New York City. Um, and she is in a fun little twisted remake of everybody's favorite fairy tale, Snow White. It's called Snow White, A Tale of Terror from 1997. Nice. And she plays the evil witch. <laughs> awesome. It's very good. I, I, I enjoyed it when it came out. Um, the next one is Guillermo del Toro, born October 9th, 1964 in Guadalajara, Mexico. And he did a remake of Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, one of the movies that scared the crap out of me as a kid. Um, he did the screenplay, and he did the voice of one of the creatures. And this is from 2011. <coughs> He'll be on my list tonight, too, so... Very cool. And then we have Karen Copens, born October 10th, 1958, in Ridgefield, Connecticut. She's in one of my all-time favorite movies and one of my all-time favorite quotes, Once Bitten, from 1985. All right, we'll be right back after this. Did you think you could hide from me? Did you think I wouldn't be able to find you? If you're going to play cat and mouse, just remember, I'm the cat. to get her ready. This house is unsafe for a child. 
Who are you? You just had a nightmare. I'll be right here. in that basement. Get her out of the house. What are you? What are we? We want it. Don't tell me you believe this. Just because you keep denying it does not mean it's not happening. Beautiful lady vampire Lauren Hutton knows a delicious young virgin when she sees one. And Mark Kendall finds out his sexy one-night stand has been around for centuries. Mark Kendall's a regular guy. Get me out of here! With normal problems. I want to, but I want it to be special. But Mark's just discovered... Hello, dark and handsome. <laughs> ...that his one-night stand... I haven't had anything this pure since the Vienna Boys Choir hit town. ...has been around for centuries. I'm 390 years old. 400 if you're a dick. Mark Kendall is necking... Finally happened. ...with a vampire. Did I enjoy it? Now, Ow. he's losing his what? girl. Bit my lip. His customers... Get out of here! ...his image... Look, I'm not there! ...and his mind. Oh, wow, I love your outfits. I'm not wearing a costume. Mark's got to choose. It's like you're not the Mark I thought I knew. You look like Jerry Lewis. Between his first love... You've been trying to get into for the last four years. And his last date. How would you like to spend eternity with me? I can't. I gotta go to college. Before his future goes up in smoke. How'd you like your crotch set on fire? Ooh, rough trade. Nothing is sacred <gasps> in a tasty comedy. Can I have one of those uncooked ones? You can sink your teeth into. How was it? Delicious. Once bitten. Once bitten. I don't want to be a vampire. I'm a day person. Down the cross, Robin. It only works in the movies. Besides, I'm an atheist. Fire! On the other hand... <laughs> fun stuff, fun stuff. Cleavon Little was in that, too. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, rough trade. 
I came out of the closet centuries ago. <laughs> and welcome back to the show, uh, Miles. I, uh, I, I hope uh, psychological horror sits okay with you. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so uh, you know, keeping it a little more grounded, um, and uh, you know, the, keeping the super out of the natural. And Michelle, uh, this is you know, so many great movies from this uh, genre. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they just span, and they span the the, the countries too. You know, there's a good great mm-hmm. Italian stuff, great uh, Spanish stuff too. It's it's amazing. And it's one of the oldest forms of horror too. Uh, because yep. you know you you could just argue that the earliest thrillers are you know are, are you know fit right in with all this stuff the old Peter Lorre uh, stuff um, you know P- I mean you know Peter Lorre was a master uh, of uh, psychological horror acting um, even a lot of the noir stuff yeah could be considered psychological horror too oh absolutely uh, oh my god I found this new movie uh, new new ch- movie channel called movies <laughs> it's like me TV except it just plays movies constantly and right now they're playing satanic rights of Dracula but last night they were playing all this great film noir like marked woman with Betty Davis and Humphrey Bogart just uh you know it's it, you know they had all horror 80s horror movies last Sunday. Uh, it's just great. It, it's and I'm like, oh, we have that in our store. We have that in our store. We have that in our store. <laughs> um, so now I don't have to, you know, be sad about uh, not being able to watch them. Uh, but anyway, um, and hopefully there are people out there that are watching that channel that are like, I want to own that movie, and then they find us. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so welcome back, and uh, we have a uh, lot more great movies to talk about. Um, the next one, uh, we have a bit of a time jump, seven year time jump, Jake Gyllenhaal back on the list. Um, a little, a movie that he did in 2014. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but it is, it is a masterful film. It is called Nightcrawler. And oh yes, <laughs> he is a guy desperate to get a job, and he finds his calling, and that is to be an exploitation, basically crime photographer, who tries to beat police to crime scenes to take a video to sell to television uh, to a television station, and it is very disturbing, and there are some very very dark moments in this movie. Here you go, Nightcrawler, twenty fourteen. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow, or even why not tonight? No. I'm not hiring. We're first! Go around! Get a shot inside the car! Hey, back away. I got it. I'm back. I'm back. Will this be on television? Morning news. If it bleeds, it leads. Are you currently hiring? I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back! I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning. You were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Is that a GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. <sighs> okay. We're taking the next right. That's stupid! Repeat the police. I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Excuse me. I have something you'll be very excited about. 
You have a good eye. I want you to contact me when you have something. Something like this. Think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. You will be seeing me again. In a unit, residential 211. A home invasion. Call the cops. And we will at the right time. But I don't know what to do. We're gonna find the person that drove that car. Start filming. I'm Detective Fonieri. I think you withheld information. That would be a very unprofessional thing for me to do. It would be murder. I want what you promised me. I want something people can't turn away from. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I typically really rev uh, revile uh, remakes of like classic rock songs um, for movies like this where they slow slow the tempo down and everything. But this, the remake of uh, I'd Love to Change the World by 10 Years After, really fits the film so well. And, of course, <clears throat> this movie was uh, one of only three films directed by uh, Dan Gilroy, who is the husband of Rene Russo, who also stars in the film. And uh, he's largely known as a screenwriter, but he also did a, a move, that really weird movie that came out a few years ago, Bel Velvet Buzzsaw. I think it was a Netflix um, exclusive with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and, uh, but he, he's, he wrote like Kong Skull Island, Real Steel, um, and some actual, um, other decent scripts, uh, for, uh, for, well, he did Free Jack, Two for the Money, The Fall, uh, and The Born Legacy. So really well, you know, rounded kind of screenwriter, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, and this movie is is completely tragic. <laughs> it just it follows a person's descent into searching for something and going the very very wrong way about doing it. Yeah. Oh, and Miles, you'd be pleased to know this. Uh, uh, Dan Gilroy, the the guy who wrote and directed this, uh, also wrote three episodes of Andor, the new uh, Disney Plus uh, Star Wars series. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm so, looking forward to watching that, but we still haven't watched Kenobi. Oh, really? So you got some catching up to do. Am I broadcasting? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me, Miles? Hello. I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. yeah Was I, I could... broadcasting? Yeah, I could hear you. Yep. You yeah, we had through. some sort of blip. Yeah, that's all right. Um, not the blip like in the Marvel universe, though. So, no. <laughs> uh, well, if it was, it was a two second one. So, yeah, there you go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so definitely check that one out. And, um, and again, you know, there's so many people from Marvel movies in the movies that I picked because, you know, even Christian Bale now, he's, he's gore in Thor Love and Thunder. Um, and, and of course, was uh, one of the greatest Batman uh, actors we've had. Um, but, uh, 
you have to remember, the late Bill Paxton was in this movie. Oh, that's right. Thank you for mentioning that. I was going to. Yeah, that this is one of Bill Paxton's final roles. I think it's one of three movies that uh, were his final film roles. But yeah, you can't miss him in the trailers. Like, if it bleeds, it leads. You know? Because <laughs> he, he, he's he got such a great voice for saying little rhyming things. Like, you know... So uh, Well, of course, this classic one. Yo! Stop your grinning and drop your linen. You know? <laughs> He had a few in near dark too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, but now this one—I don't know if anybody's ever seen this one. This one is just this one is so creepy. And again, an actor that was in Zodiac was in this too, Michelle. Uh, the uh, uh, wh what's the uh, the guy who says I'm not Zodiac? I said his name, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, I don't. I'm not good with names. Oh, that's anymore. okay. Well, I'll I'll uh, look up the it, the the details on this, but uh, it, this is a great film starring Tom Hardy, of course, from Venom, and uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and of course Star Trek Nemesis in a very early role as the clone of Jean Luc Picard. Spoilers, um, and uh, and so many other great things like Bronson was a great movie he did, not Charles Bronson. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a movie from 2016 called the invitation and it is so creepy and it, it and it's like something that could, you know, it, again, it, it's, it has to do with a cult, but not the occult and it is so wrong. How this thing is so official. Maybe they're overcompensating. Kind of hard to call everybody up out of the blue after two years. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a lot to talk about. So much to celebrate tonight. Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. Everybody, this is my friend Pruitt. on the windows and no security safer you've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality well jesus has it been like this a lot so agitated how has he been handling things he can be self-destructive I think he's doing the best he can. Something doesn't feel safe here. We don't see you for two years, and then all of a sudden, we get invited to this lavish dinner. Don't tell me that this is normal. What do you think is happening, Will? This beautiful moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. Yeah, very, very, very disturbing movie. Great movie though, and the, uh, I gotta say, in recent years, the the uh, the boon of of 
psychological horror and occult horror movies have really just satis- been very satisfying for me. And um, <clears throat> probably going to skip to, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, skip a couple and save a couple for later. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, oh, and Joe is here. Joe, you're here with us now. Oh, yeah, I've been here for about 10 minutes. I'm so sorry. I didn't even look over. You should have spoken up. Don't look over. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got all these other buttons I'm pushing in front of me um, and, and uh, researching stuff. But yeah, this movie, uh, The Invitation from 2015, was directed by K- uh, Karen Kusama, who uh, directed Ian Flux, which I mentioned with Charlize Theron. Um, uh, she also um, did... Um, uh, I think Girl Fight was a movie that she did. And, uh, yeah, John Carroll Lynch, who was also in Zodiac. And, of course, M- Michelle, he's been in American Horror Story. Uh, uh, yes. Several seasons. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many. He was also in a great, oh, Joe, if you like American Horror Story, if you haven't seen it, Channel Zero is a great uh, uh, TV series that uh, only had, like, three seasons very similar to American Horror Story, and he was in that, so could very very well... freaky. Yeah, very <laughs> very freaky. You'll never look at teeth the same way again. Yeah, what was the the Cove one? Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Candle Cove. <clears throat> that's yeah, probably Candle the, Cove. Yep, it's probably the best one. Um, although there's the one about the house too that is messed up. Um, but, uh, a house that just randomly appears on people, you know, around the country, just out of nowhere. It's like an a evil haunted house on Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, a, a smaller version of Danny, the street that's more deadly. Uh, so, <laughs> um, for doom patrol watchers, but yeah, this, this movie is, is, uh, really chilling again. Great cast. Uh, also has a uh, Logan Marshall green, Tammy Blanchard, uh, Michael Huisman, um, and, uh, you know, again, uh, Tom Hardy, uh, in it. Um, was that Tom Hardy or, or man, I might be mistaken. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it's it was not, not Tom, Hardy. Tom Hardy. No, it's Logan, Mar- Logan Marshall Green. Oh my God. I can't yes. believe it. I- oh, he was in. Okay. Yeah. He was in Prometheus. Okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry, uh, Thomas Marshall Green. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it looked like Tom Hardy in the trailer, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was Tom Hardy." Oops, no, they do kind of look a little similar, but um, yeah. So, um, uh, but great movie, absolutely great movie. Um, uh, one not to miss. All right, I'm gonna do uh, two more. Um, this one is probably my absolute favorite on the list. It's where this, uh, clip comes from. You will find salvation. Repent, and you will wash away every sin that has been bothering you. Just confess. Basically, this is like, uh, okay, you know, the, this is like, um, a psychological horror movie that takes the, um... Man, I don't even want to spoil it because this movie has such a it just has so many great twists. I don't want to say much about it. The trailer I think will give away everything you need to know. But this is the one if I was going to recommend anybody watch one of the movies off this list that you absolutely have to see, it's going to be The Lodge from 2019. Uh oh did you see this one, Michelle? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't want to give anything away. You know why I don't want to give anything away, Michelle, because... <laughs> yeah, very much it's, so. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's clever, but so wrong. Yeah, so here we go. 2019 The Lodge. Oops. So, how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. I... You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? It's crazy. Everyone committed suicide except her. Repent, and you will find salvation. Things are very uncomfortable between us, and we're stuck in a house together. What is this? The power's out. Where are my things? It makes no sense. What? I heard something. Repent. Repent your sins. Did you do that? We didn't do anything. We're leaving. What are you talking about? Look outside. We're stuck here. This movie's so traumatic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a uh, it, 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 uh, great cast, mostly unknowns. Uh, Alicia Silverstone has a cameo. I'll just say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Riley Keough, I don't know what else she's been in, but J uh, Jaden Martell, who played, uh, uh, he was Bill, um, Bill Denbro in uh, the 2017 adaptation of Stephen King's It!, um, and, uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Can I see the, the rest of the cast, please? Thank you. Uh, Richard Armitage, um, was in it as well. And he was in the Hobbit, the battle of, yeah, he was in the Hobbit movies. He was one of the dwarves, I think. Um, and, uh, but yeah, this movie, this movie will scare you out of your skin, Joe. <laughs> And it's I'm it's already scared. It's realistic too. It's uh you know it's it there there's no monsters or magic or anything like that. It's it but it's so twisted of a story. Um you know this this could have been you know um uh, I don't it's just it's so messed up. Um 
but uh, so anyway, I, I I'm sorry to go. I'm gonna have to go a little bit long here. Um, but uh, I have one more that I want to play. Uh, that I I will say this is probably tied with uh the lodge for movies you absolutely have to see. This one is a very recent movie. Um, and since it's Benicio del Toro's birthday, um, we're gonna go ahead and play the trailer for a little movie called Nightmare Alley with Rocket Raccoon himself and, of course, Hella herself, Kate Blanchett, and, of course, um, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. Nightmare Alley, only in theaters December 17th. Final trailer starts now. ask you simple questions you will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth absolute truth i can do that now brief as you can what is your name stanton carlisle are you a true medium yes i am mr carlisle doctor that. Please lay down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. <laughs> if you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. All right. Oh, some other great cast members in this. Willem Dafoe has a fantastic. He he does such a fantastic job in this, um, as the the owner of a a, a traveling circus and freak show, um, and uh, Tony Collette, of course, from Hereditary, and of course other great things like she was in the Sixth Sense. I forgot she was in the Sixth Sense. Uh, Richard Jenkins. <clears throat> one of the best performances he's ever done. He was in Shape of the Water as well by Del Toro, and he also was the father on Six Feet Under. And Mary Steenburgen from Back to the Future, of course. Uh, Back to the Future Part Two played uh, Doc Brown's wife. Uh, Rooney Mara, great, wonderful, wonderful cast. It is a kind of a departure from what Del Toro does because he does so many movies with supernatural elements. This has the air of supernatural elements, but I don't want to give anything away because it is, I mean, this is psychological thriller on steroids, Michelle. Yes, and I love Guillermo Del Toro. He's he's just, he is so talented. He does, he does the screenplays, he does the writing, he does the mm -hmm. producing, he does the... The, the directing and even every now and then he will put his voice to a project. Um, yeah. Uh, he did a really cool one that was a Edgar Allan Poe one, which is I think Extraordinary Encounters or something like that. It was a great, great uh, nice. uh, animated feature. 
Yeah, great guy. Uh, you know, great guy all around. Great filmmaker. Um, and uh, and a real cheerleader to get a uh, uh, book accurate adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft movies done that will never get done. <laughs> so, because he wanted to do at the mount uh, out the at the mountains of madness, uh, a true adaptation, but the studios were like, "You need a romance story in here." And he's like, "There was none." So. Uh, but yeah. anyway, there's not very strong, many strong female leads in those type of movies. <laughs> oh, not oh, not in Lovecraft books. Not in Lovecraft books, anyways. Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, kind of a racist and misogynist. So, uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, and put his phobias on full display in the Cthulhu mythos. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, those two movies are, are absolutely fantastic. I, I I was dying to see both of those when they came out. And uh, they they were so good. But I'll have some other uh, clips later, but we do have to run to the break. Uh, Joe, welcome. Sorry, I didn't realize you were here, but I'm looking forward to talking about Lock and Key with you when we come back. Okay. All right. Well, everybody hang tight. We'll be back with more. It came from Cleveland right after this. Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish unto you. Something evil. So are you just flipping off the house? Uh, no, I, I was saying goodbye. There's more than one meaning to the middle finger. Like aloha? Yeah. Not recommended for impressionable children. Yeah, like aloha. Aloha! <laughs> so... I found that clip for you, Joe. I wasn't sure if it was in yes. your clip, but I just looked at the best, uh, some of the best moments of Lock and Key season no. one. So, yes. Uh, but uh, anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for bearing with me for running a little bit long, but everybody will have enough time for everything they need to talk about tonight. And um, of course, welcome back, uh, Miles. Uh, and don't worry, you will have uh, enough time because we'll. We'll bleed into the last half hour for everybody if we need to. So, yep, yep, fair enough. And Michelle, welcome back to you as well. Looking forward to uh, Whaley House tonight. Oh, it's going to be a fun one. All right, and Joe, let's get to it. We've got uh, we've got some clips for uh, another recommendation from you. Yes, Lock and Key, another um, like the Umbrella Academy, another. Uh comic book uh adaptation the wonderful so, world of comics yes and so what is this about well it's about the life of rendell and nina Locke, who were living a happy life in seattle with their children tyler kinsey and bodie uh rendell was a high school guidance counselor and one of his students uh named sam lesser 
breaks into their home and fatally shoots him. Uh, Nina decides to move the family to Rendell's ancestral home in a small town of Matheson, Massachusetts. And Rendell's brother, Duncan, has been caretaking the key house, as it's called, uh, greeted the family, but he didn't stick around long. Uh, soon after their arrival in their new home uh, in Key House, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bodie discovered something peculiar about the new home. Key House is littered with magical keys, each oh. with its own unique power. While the children explored each key's power, they unwittingly unlock a grave danger to the world. Season one trailer is clip one. Hey, check it out. We're here. Welcome to Key House. I could never get your father to talk about his life here. My kids need a home. Does it have to be this home? keys unlock well the youngest Bodhi, is the first to discover the secret of the keys and he wanders into the well house which i would never wander into and accidentally awakens dodge or his echo a demon from the realm, who then begins her own search for the keyhouse keys 
It's clip two. Hello? Hello? Are you my Echo? Yes. I am. I'm here, Bodie. Who are you? I'm an Echo. You're Echo. You woke me up. Why are you down there? Echoes can come to life in this place. No way. Have you found any keys yet? What keys? Your house is filled with amazing keys. There's a key that can let you step outside your body and be a ghost. <laughs> and another that can change the way you look. The best is a key that can take you anywhere in the world you want to go if you know how to use it. It's made of gold and has six interlinked circles. Where can I find them? You listen for them. They whisper. Bodhi, have you heard any whispering in Key House? Yes. They'll only call to people who are very special, like you, Bodhi. Better not tell anyone about visiting your Echo in the well house. They might worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have run right out of that well house anyway. Why do children always listen to that lie? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it the truth, though? I mean, yeah. Well, Bodhi does tell Tyler and Kinsey, his, uh, his older brother and sister, uh, about the Echo. And they don't believe him. So he finds uh, subsequently the Anywhere key, which he can use on any door to travel to any place he's seen. And he finds the Mirror key, which opens a portal to a dimension within any mirror. Now Dodge tells Bodhi, uh, like you said, Michelle, why do they believe these things? Yeah. Uh, that using the Mirror key would enable his mother to see his her deceased father, or their deceased father, but in reality, it's a trick. Uh, the lock children's mother, Nina, becomes trapped in the mirror dimension. Echo tells Bodhi she can save his mom if he gives her the anywhere key. So he does, but instead, she uses it to escape the wellhouse. So Bodhi and the other children now realize that Bodhi was telling the truth. Uh, are able to save their mother by using the mirror key, but the race is now on to prevent Dodge from obtaining more keys. Uh, Dodge is on the search for one in particular called the Omega Key, which would unlock the door to the realm from which she came. In the meantime, Nina is busy restoring Key House and befriends one of Rendell's classmates, Ellie, whose son Rufus is now the groundkeeper at Key House. Um, talking more with Ellie, Nina learns that most of Rendell's friends are dead. Outside of Ellie, uh, only Aaron Voss is alive, but she lives in a psychiatric facility. Clip three is that conversation. I hope I'm not keeping you from your work. Oh, not at all. Though, if you ask Kinsey, that's... Apparently all I'm doing right these days. I'm sure she doesn't actually think that. I wanted to ask if you could help me with something. 
I'd like to get in touch with some of Randall's old friends, try to learn a little more about him. These two, Aaron and Mark. Aaron still lives around here, but I doubt she'd be much help. She's in a psychiatric hospital. Why? She had an accident a while back. She hasn't spoken in 20 years. Like, um, stroke? <sighs> That's awful. I'm so sorry. And Mark? He died in a house fire a few months back. I'm kind of the only one left. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry for bringing all this up. <laughs> Don't worry. You didn't know. Honestly, weirdly therapeutic being back here. I can't tell you how much time we all spent in this house. Really? Yeah. Randall's parents were never around, so it was kind of an adult-free zone. We were almost always down in the ping-pong room. The what? The room in the basement. Have you not been down there yet? Oh, boy, there's a basement. And there's a room that no one knows about. And a uh, ping-pong room. Hmm. Yep, it was there, hidden behind a false wall. But Ellie has more secrets that reveal the ghosts of the past to Nina, including a tragedy Rendell never spoke about to his wife. Clip four. Sorry, I'm a little early. Oh, no worries. Rufus is just out with a snowblower blowing his back path. I'll go grab him. No, I can wait. He doesn't like to leave until everything's done. Actually, um, glad that we have some time. There's something I want to ask you about. You want some tea? When I was uh, talking to the English teacher, Joe Ridgway, um, he made reference to something, some kind of tragedy what was he talking about at the uh the end of our senior year there was a, an accident three of our friends drowned oh my god where in the sea cave it's about a half mile north of here We had all just graduated and we were partying and not thinking about the tides. I'm so sorry. Why wouldn't Rendell have told me about this? Maybe he just didn't want to revisit it. It was the most painful thing that had ever happened to any of us. I mean, I, I never talk about it myself. Lucas, I mean, I know most people think high school romances, who cares, but he was something special. Hmm. Yeah, Lucas was uh, really special to Ellie, and later, Nina notices that there's a mysterious scar on Ellie that Rendell, Rendell also had the same identical spot. And when Nina asks about it, she lies and Nina seeks out the truth from friend Joe. Five.
to Sally. It's me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Rufus left one of his guys and, and he was having a total meltdown. Uh, I, I, I knocked, but no one was home, so I just I used Rufus's key. Ellie, you can't, you can't just you walk into my house. <laughs> you should have called me first. You're right. You're right. I, I'm so sorry. Um, I was just, uh, you know, when it comes to Rufus, I think I, I sometimes lose my head. It's okay. <laughs> but... Your scar. Sorry to stare. How'd you get it? Uh, I got it as a kid. I, I fell off my bike. First time without training wheels and right into a bush with jagged stems. <laughs> that must have hurt. Oh, it did, for sure. I gotta run. I am so sorry again. I promise I'll give you a heads up next time. Bye. I'm not crazy, so just hear me out. So, Rendell had this scar right below his collarbone. It was really unusual. It was like uh, the shape of an upside-down teardrop. He said he got it when he burned himself camping. Okay. And then today, when I saw Ellie, I saw that she had the exact same scar in the exact same place. But she said she got it in a biking accident when she was a kid. I hear you. I just don't know what you're asking me. Well, you knew them both when they were young. I'm just trying to figure out how it's possible for two people to have totally identical scars from two completely different things. And if it's not possible, what does that mean to you? That Ellie lied. Or Rendell did. Or they both did. They're in a cult. Uh oh. So, meanwhile, meanwhile, more mysteries of their father's past in Key House uh, merge as Tyler and Kinsey had more, here's more whispering, and find the plant key in the graveyard. And when they use it on a nearby tree, uh, several jars are uprooted from the ground. The jars contain memories from Uncle Duncan's childhood, and they find one of a young Rundell beating his friend and Ellie's boyfriend, Lucas, to death. Clip six. That's Dad flying. They're memories. Like in the candy boxes in my head, but they're in paint jars. Whose memories would be in paint jars? That's Dad and his friend Lucas. Hey, Duncan, what I say about snooping? Out, now. They're Duncan's memories.
all you have to do is think about what you want to look like. And that's what you chose. Oh my God, Tyler. You have to see this. There's a key that can change the way you look. What is it? photo that the ones that drowned what did you do but obviously they didn't Randall memories aren't perfect they're very subjective they're often distorted does that does that look distorted to you I can't believe this this isn't dad he wouldn't even kill spiders in the house he would never do something like this. This is, this is why he didn't want to come back here. I'll kill a spider. Mm. <laughs> I, did, I do too. My wife won't though. Anyway. Same. <laughs> I try to let him outside. Yeah, she's been capturing flies and freeing them. I don't get it. But anyway. So the drowning story was a lie? And their father was a murderer? Well, this is too much for Kinsey. So she asks her Uncle Duncan whose memories they were. But Duncan's real memories were erased by the others to keep him from remembering what happened back then. Ah, so, the old memory wipe. Yes, so Kinsey's frustrated. So she convinces her friends to go to that sea cave where the so-called drowning supposedly happened with her so she can find the secrets hidden there but there she discovers the black entrance to the demon realm and as the tide begins to rise she has to be dragged away by one of her friends in clip seven kinsey kinsey come on we have to go the caves are flooding kinsey we have to go what are you doing get off me the cave is flooding if we don't go right now we're both gonna die come on come on please Kinsey, let's go. Come on. I told you. We can do this. My flashlight's waterproof. I'll go first. Okay, so you're right, Michelle. Demon realms are not, not a good thing. No. And this one in particular gets worse. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, Dodge or Echo, uh, using the identity key, which could change your appearance to look like anyone, has taken the appearance of Ellie's deceased boyfriend, Lucas, and forces Ellie to steal the shadow key and crown of shadows from the house now possessing both the shadow key and the crown of shadows dodge is able to conjure powerful shadow monsters and she brings them to attack key house in search of the omega key uh, so i'm sorry you cut uh, you you dropped oh, I'm sorry. there clip eight. Oh, it's uh, clip eight where's ellie it's only been an hour 
She should have been here by now with the crown. You just need to wait. Stay ready. What happens if mom comes home? Hope this will all be over by then. Uh, guys? Look! I hope you don't mind. I invited some friends. find the Omega key and return to the black door these demons from her. can the children defeat Dodge was Rendell really a murderer and if not what did Tyler and Kinsey see in Duncan's memories don't be afraid of your own shadow find out in season one finale of lock and key all right Woo-hoo. sounds sounds tempting and um yeah, and I, I not to say that this is a knockoff or anything, but um, the, the, there's some similarities uh, to this. Uh, there was a great three-episode 2006 uh, Sci-Fi Channel miniseries called The Lost Room uh, that shares some similarities of this. So, mm-hmm. it, I think fans of that that would enjoy this as well. Yeah, it was it was very good. It, it, like I said, this is based on a comic book mm-hmm. series. So uh, they've done three ser- seasons, and they only planned. Three. So uh, next week, we'll do season two, because it gets even more interesting. All I have to say is Venger did Shadow Demons first. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's, a, that's an old uh, 1980s D&D cartoon uh, reference. Mm, <laughs> All right. I don't know. The anti-monitor had Shadow Demons in 1984's Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, I don't yep. know. Here we go. <laughs> the Shadow Demon. Uh, yeah, the uh, debate has begun. Um, all right, very cool. Well, uh, thank you for that, Joe. Anything else you want to add before we go to the break? That's it. Next week, season two. All right, sounds good. Okay, we have another uh, mythical moment from Adam Hebert. Uh, he was able to save, uh, he, he had a computer incident and was able to save his stuff. So we got that coming your way. We'll be right back with more. It came from Cleveland right after this. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with an important safety tip for all of our listeners. Watch out for snakes. When we last left Gilgamesh, he had traveled far and wide seeking the secret to immortality following the death of his dear friend and wingman Enkidu. In his travels, he met the alewave Siduri, destroyed the stone charms of the ferryman Urshanabi, and finally met with Utnapishtim and his wife, both of whom had managed to survive the great flood sent by the god Enlil and had been given the gift of immortality by him. 
Utnapishtim told Gilgamesh there was no secret to immortality. The only way to get it was to get it from one of the gods, and if they hadn't made Gilgamesh immortal after all the amazing things he had done, they weren't planning to do so. Utnapishtim told him he'd prove his point to Gilgamesh with a challenge. The challenge, Utnapishtim said, was to stay awake for six days and seven nights. Gilgamesh scoffed at the supposed challenge. He had killed Humbaba as well as Gugulana, the Bull of Heaven. He was even ballsy enough to turn down the advances of Inanna, a goddess known for treating her lovers poorly and those who rejected her even worse. He had traveled the entire world in his quest. This, he said confidently, was mere child's play. And so Utnapishtim invited Gilgamesh to have a seat. Gilgamesh sat down on the ground cross-legged, and it wasn't long before the exhaustion from his quest caught up to him and he drifted into a long, deep sleep. Utnapishtim, content that his point would be made, instructed his wife to bake a loaf of bread for each day and night Gilgamesh was asleep, so Gilgamesh couldn't deny his failure. Six days and seven nights passed. On the morning of the seventh day, Gilgamesh woke up feeling refreshed, but was thoroughly confused by the seven moldy loaves of bread that lay on the ground around him. Utnapishtim soon joined Gilgamesh and chided him, saying that he had no hope of conquering death if he couldn't even conquer something as trivial as sleep. Utnapishtim said plainly that Gilgamesh would never be immortal, and that it was time for him to return to Uruk and reassume the responsibilities of being its king. Utnapishtim told Urshnabi to bathe Gilgamesh and dress him in robes befitting royalty. As Gilgamesh stepped on Urshnabi's boat, Utnapishtim's wife implored her husband to give Gilgamesh a parting gift. Utnapishtim sighed and agreed. True immortality, he said, would always elude Gilgamesh, but at the bottom of the sea near Uruk, there was a strange plant that would restore Gilgamesh's youth were he to eat it. And so, as soon as he was back in the mortal plane, Gilgamesh made his way to what is now the Persian Gulf, where he tied large boulders to himself and made his way to the bottom of the sea unharmed because... Myth logic? Whatever. There, he searched for the plant, apparently not having to worry about such trivial matters like breathing, or being crushed by immense water pressure. He eventually found the plant and harvested it, heading back to land so that he could make his way home. His plan was to take the plant back to a rook and make sure that it worked by giving an elderly man some of it to see the effects. It was a long journey home and he had to make frequent stops. On his journey, he stopped at an oasis in the desert and decided to take a bath in the cool water, leaving his pack on the ground. As he washed himself, a snake emerged from the bushes to poke through Gilgamesh's belongings and began to eat the plant. By the time Gilgamesh looked and saw what was going on, the snake had completely eaten the plant and started to flee. Gilgamesh, presumably absolutely naked, chased after it. But just as he was about to catch it, the snake shed its skin, emerging from it renewed before escaping, showing that the plant's power was in fact real. From then on, snakes could rejuvenate themselves by shedding their skins, thanks to this magic plant. Gilgamesh, defeated, sat down and had a good laugh. He had gotten what he sought out for, only to lose it at the end. Utnapishtim was right. There was no immortality for Gilgamesh, or even eternal youth. Gilgamesh collected his things and set up for a rook, where he ruled as a wise and just king for the rest of his days. And so ends the story of Gilgamesh of Uruk, mankind's first hero. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with an important safety tip for all of our listeners. Watch out for snakes. Back to you, Kenny.
background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks, Alexander. is enough! I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane! Everybody strap in! I'm about to open some fucking windows. Uh, I was hoping I had the Indiana Jones one, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> welcome back <laughs> to the program. Uh, thanks again, Joe, for uh, the lock and key recommendation. Lots of fun. And uh, Michelle, looking forward to the history of the Whaley House in a little bit. There will be no snakes in that uh, in, in in the Whaley House. What about pork chop sandwiches? No, but there will okay. be nooses and uh, <laughs> uh, other creepy things. Okay, sounds good. And uh, of course, uh, Miles, welcome back to you. Uh, and the floor is now yours. Alrighty, thank you, thank you. So last uh, week, I regaled the story of the uh, USS Squalus, which sank dur during a test exercise. And um, now I'm going to uh, talk about the um, its its next voyage, if you will. So step one: get raised back up from the ocean floor. So. This is not an easy uh, uh, task. And uh, for 50 days, divers went down to pass cables underneath the submarine and attach pontoons to it. Um, and on the, the 13th of uh, July in 39, the stern was, sex, 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 ugh, was raised successfully. And uh, but but when the men attempt to free the bow from the, the the hard clay in the bottom of the ocean, the vessel began to rise too quickly, and it slipped its cables and it ascended vertically. And when the submarine broke the surface, thirty feet of the bow cleared into the air uh, for for not more than ten seconds. So that's that's like uh, imagine being on the ocean. And then a three-story building just appears right beside you, <laughs> and then and then disappears right back under the water. So it's 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 a sizable uh, sizable amount of the ship. So it sank all the way back down to the bottom, and the uh, momson, the guy in charge of the uh, recovery, said uh, pontoons were smashed, toes cut, and I might add, hearts broken. <laughs> so. 20 more days of preparation, and they changed the uh, design of the pontoon, how the cables were arranged, and the next lift was successful. Um, and the squalls was then towed back to uh, Portsmouth on the 13th of September. A total of 628 dives were made in, uh, in order to uh, recover the, the, the rescue and the salvage. So that's that's a crazy high amount because if you remember the 
the ship was in 240 feet of water. And that is nitrogen narcosis level, and it is extremely dangerous. And this technology is still on the on the cusp. It's really on the uh, on the start of um, you know uh, of of it. So it's it's very very dangerous work. So now that she's been brought back up, she's decommissioned on the fifteenth of November. And so they were. They went over it. They tried to determine why it failed, why it sank, whatever. And of course, they're re, they're, uh, they're, they're going over her, ref, refitting her, getting her ready for, to uh, uh, go back out. And she's renamed the USS Sailfish on the 9th of February in 1940. And. Um, She's the first to be uh, named after uh, the, 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 the sailfish. So, now, uh, things start getting exciting. Um, so, we start doing war patrols. And she's got, she went on a total of 12 of them. And on the first um, patrol, she heads off to the west coast of Luzon. I'm not 100% sure where that is. Oh, it's over in the Philippines. It's the largest and most populous island on the Philippines. Okay. And uh, she sighted a landing force that was supported by cruisers and destroyers, but she couldn't get a firing position. Now, mind you, a lot of um, uh, submarine attacks are not you know, 100% because when you go under the water, you're only cruising around at eight knots. You know, you are... You are really crawling on your belly, you know, uh, militarily speaking. And so um, on the 13th, she uh, made contact with two destroyers, tried an attack. They detected her and dropped some uh, uh, depth charges. But uh, during a large explosion, they, they detected an explosion. There was no damage done, and the destroyers counterattacked, and she left. So that was the first patrol. Second patrol leaves out on the 21st of December off the waters of Formosa. And uh, Formosa is uh, Taiwan. There we go. And uh, she sighted a Miyoko-class cruiser. And she made um, four torpedo attacks on this and and did do some damage. But uh, it, I don't believe she sank it. And, yeah, no sinking. But she was forced to uh, dive back down and run, run deep, run silent, uh, in order to avoid the uh, destroyer counterattacks where they were dropping debt charges and what have you. And so then she arrived in February for refueling, and uh, that was the end of her second patrol. So uh, I'm going to have to speed up. So I'm going to get up to the... You can go um, over a little bit because Michelle can go over a little bit into the into the okay. last half hour. Okay. No. Well, actually, this next one, uh, the third patrol, is actually a decent one. Uh, she goes through the uh, Lombok Strait, uh, which is near uh, Indonesia, into the Java Sea, and spite and um, spotted a uh, huh. Spotted American uh, uh, cruiser, the Houston. Anyway, um, she, the Allies uh, suffered a defeat in the Battle of the Java Sea, and the sailfish intercepted uh, an enemy destroyer 
and unsuccessfully attacked and then was forced to deep dive to escape the counterattack of depth charges. And uh, that night, near the mouth of the Lombok Strait, she spotted what appeared to be the aircraft carrier Kaga. And Kaga is one of the big fleet carriers of the Japanese Navy. And she fired uh, four torpedoes, scoring two kits, and uh, uh, leaving the target aflame, dead in the water, and uh, sailfish dove, and, you know, escaped, you know, 40 depth charges were dropped on her in 90 minutes. But she uh, uh, managed to escape, and uh, they believe they sank the Kaga, but it was not the Kaga. It was actually another type of ship that was an aircraft ferry. So it was like, I guess, a long, uh, flat type of ship that had aircraft on it. But they, uh, those ships aren't true aircraft carriers. They're designed to just carry aircraft to aircraft carriers. Now, uh, even though it was an aircraft carrier, it was still a valuable target. Mm -hmm. So on the fourth patrol, um, it, it was really nothing exciting. It was just delivering um, 1,800 rounds of anti-aircraft ammunition to some um, guerrillas fighting in, uh, in uh, on land uh, somewhere, I guess. So not not that exciting. The 5th Patrol, um, oh, that was something that submarines did, by the way. Because they could uh, slip under the waters and stuff like that, if there was a high-priority supply delivery that needed to be made... A submarine could do it because a surface ship would be spotted and sunk, whereas submarines could definitely get, get past the enemy detection. So that, that was important. Uh, on the fifth patrol, um, she intercepted and tracked a large freighter, but discovered that it was actually a hospital ship. Oh, boy. And, it, and yeah, did not fire on the hospital ship. And then... Um, uh, on the 9th of July, she intercepted and torpedoed a freighter and uh, took that ship out. And then she went deep, um, heard uh, explosions and so forth. And then uh, sub uh, she surfaced 90 minutes later, no, no targets in sight. But she was credited for, uh, for sinking that ship because after the war, they're able to uh, analyze all the Japanese records and determine... Yes, a ship was sunk in this area on these dates or what have you. And so um, war, war records could be corrected that way. So now we're shifting over to the 6th and 7th patrols. And uh, she's now under the command of uh, uh, John Moore. And so she got underway and headed for the Solomon Islands, where she encountered eight Japanese destroyers escorting a cruiser, but she was unable to attack. And then she attacked a uh, on the 19th, a mine layer, fired three torps, all missed. And uh, then she was forced to dive deep and avoid the counterattack. So something I'll say about American torpedoes. Um, they sucked. They, they, they did explode on occasion, but the Japanese torpedoes were the shit. Because the Japanese actually tested things. Whereas Americans, not so much. They were not real fire tests on torpedoes. They were just built and sent out. It's I I can't I can't understand it. I mean, it's cost effective, I guess, to not test and waste you know things blowing up. But 
you know, our ships were sent out there with inferior weaponry uh, by and large. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so on the seventh voyage, she uh, went to the area of New Britain. It's the largest island of the uh, Bismarck Archipelago around New Guinea. And following an unsuccessful attack on a destroyer on December 2nd, no other contacts until Christmas Day, where she believes she scored a hit on a Japanese submarine. But, again, uh, post-war, they couldn't find any records of a, Jap you know, Japanese records of a submarine being lost in that area around that time, and so wasn't credited for it uh, after the fact. So now we are up to the eighth mission of, of her 12, and uh, she departed Hawaii, and she stopped off to refuel at Midway, and then went off to the east coast of Honshu, which is the largest and uh, most populous island of Japan. Um, and several contacts were made, but due to hard weather, no, nothing was being able to be attacked. And she encountered two freighters, escorted by three sub-chasers. And she fired three torpedoes off her stern, managed to hit, and, and hit one of the freighters. And then she was driven down by the escorting uh, patrol craft and listened and heard the freighter break up and sink. And then, 10 days later, another convoy of three uh, sub-chasers um, and again fired three torpedo tubes from her stern, sinking another freighter, and uh, and then again was pinned down uh, by a death charge attack that lasted ten hours with ninety eight charges, but only slight damage was taken. That's got to be grueling to be sitting under the water, helpless, as the enemies just dropping explosives on you after you know, hour after hour. Does not sound amusing. No, no, it's it's brutal. So on the ninth patrol, again, back to the Formosa Strait off of Okinawa. And you only produced two contacts, uh, but no noteworthy targets in the sailfish returned to Pearl Harbor. So now we're up to the 10th patrol. And this is the biggie. This one is the one she got actually credited for like um, awards and presidential citations and what have you. So... Um, at, uh, they they got a refit at Pearl Harbor, got a new captain under Robert Ward, and they got a rejuvenated crew. And on the 17th of November, went out on her 10th patrol. And on the way, she suffered a hot run in torpedo tube number eight, which is in the aft. Well, Anybody I know hate, what a hot I run hate, is? I hate it when I get the hot runs in the aft. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> Uh, the, the, your question is what is the aft? Isn't that the, the rear of the ship? No, no. What is a hot run? Oh, what is a hot, hot run? run? Okay. Um, well, when you get chilly and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, hot run. Whew, I, 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 the, I, I don't know. Is it, uh, you know, pushing, uh, pushing it, uh, so the, the vessel so hard oh. that. P pushing pushing the engines to their limit? No. Yeah, no. It is engine-related, but it's an engine of a torpedo. A torpedo inside the vessel it's, was, was triggered, and its um, uh, screws, its propellers, are spinning at a high rate of speed, 
and it caused uh, damage to torpedo tube number eight, Ooh. and it was un uh, was no longer usable for the rest of that tenth uh, patrol. So it's not an auspicious beginning when you're when you're you're chugging along, and all of a sudden you get a, a message from the torpedo room like we've got a runner. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, how, that's how, scary. How stressful that would be. Because now you've got an armed torpedo in your hull. They, uh, he actually, the the captain went over the side to inspect the damage and ejected the torpedo out into the ocean. So there you go. Uh, and and uh, so, huh. hmm. sorry, I had to take a drink. That's okay. Uh, I was starting to get a little hiccups. So refuels after leaving Pearl Harbor, and that little little incident happens. Refuels at Midway. And then was alerted by Ultra, which was the, uh, the the people that are you know the code breakers and what and whatnot because you know the Japanese code was actually broken. That a convoy of Japanese ships was uh, set to arrive about uh, 240 miles uh, southeast of Yokosuka, which wow okay I don't know where that is. That's weird. Southeast of Yokosuka. It's a Navy base in Japan. Ah, okay. And so, on the night of December 3rd, and she makes radar contact, so ding, ding! During one of these, all these refits she's been getting, they installed radar onto a submarine. So this is where the submarine's able to break break surface with an aerial uh, mast and now make uh, detect enemy ships uh, without having to fully surface, which is a huge advantage. So the group consisted of the Japanese aircraft carrier Chuyo, which is um, a big one, but it, it was a uh, escort class carrier. It's not one of the big fleet carriers that were uh, decimated in, at the um, at Midway. But there are, uh, uh, and it's also this uh, that carrier, a cruiser, and two destroyers. But their high scenes are whipped up by typhoon winds, and so it's difficult to to spot with the. Um, a, a periscope, obviously, with high winds whipping around and rain blocking the view and all that, and the high high seas. But it, she maneuvered into firing position shortly after midnight, dived to radar, and fired four torpedoes at the carrier at a range of about 2,100 yards and scored two hits. And then she went deep to, es to escape the destroyers, which dropped uh, 21 depth charges in retaliation. She then reloaded at 2 in the morning, surfaced again to resume the pursuit, found the mass radars, and, of course, a slow-moving target, which is impossible to, defy, to identify again due to visibility. So as dawn neared, she fired another spread of torpedoes from her bow, three of them, scoring two more hits onto the carrier. And then she again dived to avoid the counterattack. Now, the counterattack is, again... The fleet, the Japanese fleet, has to endure this crap. So you're sailing along, you're trying to, you know, you're dealing with a typhoon, and torpedoes are blowing up on your aircraft carrier that you're trying to escort. So not ideal conditions. No, I would and say so not. It, pardon? I just said I would say not. Yeah. And so uh, at 8 o'clock came to periscope depth and saw the carrier lying dead in the water, listing by the stern, and uh, preparations to abandon ship were in progress, fired another spread of torpedoes, 
scoring another two hits. Breakup sounds are heard, and at this point, um, the the aircraft carrier is going down, and a cruiser appeared, and fear, fearing that it would be rammed, um, you know, did, did an emergency drive, a dive, sorry. So at, this is the first aircraft carrier sunk by an American submarine in the war. So there's that little kudo, that little for uh, the sailfish. And it is the actually the only major Japanese warship to be sunk by enemy action in all of 1943. So you can tell that the Japanese are very protective of their ships at this point after getting their teeth kicked in at Midway. And they uh, they decide uh, to really just hold hold close to uh, what ha- uh, hold close to the vest. Now, some irony: the Chuyu, the aircraft carrier, was actually carrying American prisoners of war, and the prisoners of war she was carrying were twenty one sailors from the USS Sculpin. Anybody remember that name? I don't. Mm-mm. The USS Sculpin was the submarine that assisted the USS um, uh, Falcus Sculpus when she sank. Okay. Remember that it was her sister submarine, the uh, Squalus. I'm sorry. The 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 Squal- When she sank as the Squalus, it was the sister submarine, the Sculpin, that came to her aid, that found her, and the buoy. That, that, that had the phone in it. They tried to communicate with her. So the Sculpin, there were 21 uh, sailors, of American sailors on that aircraft carrier when the, the she sank it. Only one of those 21 uh, prisoners of war survived uh, that attack. Uh, none of those sailors, however, were on the Sculpin at the time of... Um, her rescue. So these are all different men, um, but uh, it, it's just it's just a little bit of a, an irony of uh, you know that that particular that particular uh, ship being prisoners of war. You know. So anyway, so moving on, uh, they they uh, she escapes the uh, counterattack of the Japanese for that, and uh, on the night of December thirteenth, fires tor- two torps at uh, two freighters. Two solid explosions were heard and some secondary explosions. And uh, there's a breakup and sinkage. Freighters being a very important to uh, an island nation like Japan. Um, of course, uh, Britain knows all about that, that emergency. And so um, she, she caught up to the other freighter, uh, which was dead in the water, but it was covered by a screen of five destroyers. So the captain opted instead of doing, you know, going up against suicidal run, just went went silent, ran deep, and escaped the entire encounter. And then on the December twentieth, found another hospital ship, which she did not fire on. So, kudos to the captains of our uh, navy for not, you know, doing war crimes <laughs> as you would or might be tempted to do. So. Um, there you go. That was the tenth mission, and uh, um, oh, she intercepted six large freighters on uh, December the twenty-first, and uh, with five torpedoes left, fire spread of three, scoring two hits. Oh, interesting. Very, very successful tenth mission. 
Um, so I see my time's gone. So the 11th mission and 12th mission have, um, you know, some missions, but they weren't as near as exciting. So I'll just, I'll just skip them. I'll get right to, uh, the end of the war. So, um, she is, oh, side note, this is important. So remember the ship was originally named Squalus and it was renamed the USS Sailfish. And the captain, uh, I, I don't know how, how much this, you know, you all know this, but sailors can be a superstitious lot and, oh, and what yeah. have you, you know, the horrors of having a woman on board, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And yep. so the captain said, any man heard uttering the name Squalus will be left at the next port of call. And so um, ever... Uh, American sailors, ever the um, you know type that to follow orders right to the letter, <laughs> used the word squalefish instead of squalish. <laughs> so you're taking the word sailfish and squalish and combining it to squal squalefish. Now, not surprisingly, the captain wasn't pleased with this either, and gave the order that if he heard sailors using that term they'd be subjected to court-martial, <laughs> which was a real threat. So um, that's just some humor there. Uh, of, uh, But, uh, you know, she had a successful career as a submarine. There are others that had real standout careers, but the submarine, it, it did well. She got a presidential unit citation, the American Defense Service Medal, American Campaign Medal, and nine battle stars. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a, a good career. For a submarine. Now, at the end of the war, the people of Portsmouth wanted the submarine kept intact and delivered to become a memorial, a, uh, a museum, if you will. But their attempts to do that did not succeed. However, they were given her conning tower. So th that is that was saved. And it, and it is still uh, on display, um, you know, uh, in, in Portsmouth. So that, that there is something for that. The ship was scheduled to be a targeting ship for atomic bomb tests. Uh, but uh, in uh, typical American fashion, scrapped, uh, you know, uh, sh the Hulk was sold for scrapping to the Luria Brothers of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where all things go to die. Did I say that out loud? And uh, on uh, June of 1948. So there you go. The, the, the story of the sailfish, USS Sailfish. Oh, there's a docudrama. So the docudrama for this, if you're interested in watching, um, is called Submerged. Now, there are like four movie total called, uh, called Submerged. One of them. Is a Steven Seagal movie? I I, I know I have it on VHS. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. You make, okay. Well, make some decent profit off it. Hopefully, factory it's sealed. Got, it's got it's got three point seven stars. So, <laughs> um, another submerged movie is deals with some kidnappers trying to get people that drive into a canal and they're trapped in a limousine underwater. And another mm -hmm. one is terrorists that down an airliner that again goes into the water and submerges. But this movie, Submerged, has Sam Neill in it, and uh, was made in 2001. And it uh, discuss it is about the recovery of the, the, the submarine, the Squalus, the crew, the surviving crew of the Squalus. 
Cool. So, and, uh, uh, you know, it's you funny because I was about to mention earlier in the show when I was talking about the movie The Invita- Invitation, there's been, like, uh, I don't know, probably eight, ten movies called The Invitation, and there's even one coming out this year, too. So, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, a double feature. Take your pick. <laughs> Um, but, uh, anyway, um, yeah, thanks miles. Uh, you're, you're, we're all set to go to break then. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, out of curiosity, I've got two ideas for my next, uh, for next week. I'm thinking either uh, a moment when, um, the Japanese attacked uh, an Island held by American forces or a moment in during world war two, when American forces fought with lethal intention against French forces. Hmm. I think the French route might be the way to go. I'll go there. Okay. And I think for when we get closer to Halloween, you got to uh, you got to do uh, some kind of uh, story about deception with disguises in the war for Halloween. All right, I'll research. I'll, I'll I'll see if I can find something. If it's if if it's interesting to you. If not, don't worry. I just a fun suggestion. Actually, yes. I already on top of my head. I know one. I don't know if I've told the story before, but it's one I've. I know. I know. I know what I'm gonna do. Yes. World disguise. War Two tricks and treats. So <laughs> World War Two disguise disguise story. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be right back, and Michelle, our uh, spooky tour guide, is gonna take us to Whaley House. So we'll be yes. right back. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls. Survive this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish undertaking. Something evil. The house has been around since 1856, built by a merchant named Thomas Whaley. Some people say Thomas Whaley still lives here in spirit. Not recommended for impressionable children. Oh. Welcome back to the program. Sorry for the dead air, air there for a second. I timed my break poorly. So. Um, and uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, thank you, Miles. Uh, fascinating, scary stuff uh, about submarines. Yep, yep. And uh, Joe, thanks again for the lock and key review. That was fun. And Michelle, our, our again, our spooky tour guide, taking us uh, a walk down um, Horror Lane. Yes, we're going back west this time to San Diego, California, um, just for uh, uh, for anybody who wants any information on this. The source material I'm using is Haunted Houses by Richard Winner and Nancy Osborne, 8th Printing, 1981. And all of our clips will be listed in Discord as well as links for people to see them on YouTube. So we are going to the Whaley House. Willie House has been considered America's top haunted house um, by the Travel Channel and a few other uh, of the, uh, the, the reality show documentary type uh, TV shows across our venues. Um, 
It is located on 2482 South uh, San Diego Avenue. It is a 120-year-old structure, which was occupied by Whaley's or their descendants from 1856 when it was built by Thomas Whaley to 1953. In appearance, it's not an impressive home, but looks very friendly and comfortable. Um, it is still standing. It is considered a, uh, a heritage site um, and is part of the uh, a very, very busy San Diego street. Um, it's uh, your standard uh, bu uh, building for the time period. And uh, the, the person that, uh, Whaley... Um, was the uh, he was a county judge um the house itself was the courtroom from 1869 to 1871 he had part of the house modified to be the courtroom and then after several years of use a decision was made by the city's fathers to move the court records to newtown a more uh developed part of san diego which is now the downtown area well, Mr. Whaley put up a terrible fight to stop the transfer records, but the town officials came in the dead of night and took everything. Now, there is some um, controversy on what happened. Supposedly, you know, a couple mass men came in to steal the records, scared one of the family members on the stairs. Supposedly, that ninth stair on the stairwell has a secret cold spot that everybody can feel whether it is because of a draft or other things. Um, later on in the, in, um, in the segment, we will be uh, hearing a, an, a retro CBS broadcast that investigated the nice. Whaley House as a sort of a local thing. So that'll be fun. Um, you know, uh, the Whaley's had lived through several lynchings, um, Indian uprisings, and other uh, exciting happenings. Uh, yeah exciting happenings um oh. <laughs> but <laughs> i get you rift yeah yeah that's exciting happenings you know yeah c colonialism at its best challenging moments but, yes uh but the most legendary thing about the whaley house that people know about and the legend that 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 continues on to this date was about a man named yankee jim he was hanged on the site um he might actually have a reason to come back as an angry spirit. Um, it, 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 he, it was basically, um, it took him 40 minutes to die. Oh, God. He was a very tall man, and the gallows had not been built for somebody of his size. So he, he didn't really, um, he, 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 he didn't have that drop that normally breaks their neck. Um, it, it, he swung and kicked in the air. They, they report as, as the court reportings go. Um, it was a crudely constructed gallows. And um, because he had charisma, he thought he could talk his way out of the hanging, but they whipped the horses right out from underneath him, right in the middle of his farewell speech. They hanged him from a wagon bed since they didn't have a proper gallows platform. Wow. Yeah. So that is, that is not, not, uh, not great. Um, it was in 1852. Um, he had he wasn't a horse thief. What he had done is he had stolen the boat. But in a in a harbor uh, uh, area, that was similar to stealing a horse from the mm -hmm. frontier. Sure. So they were they were not very uh, lenient in his uh, 
in his punishment. Um, they said that uh, Thomas Waverly's daughter died here, died in, 18, in 1953 at a ripe old age. She refused to go upstairs because there was something up on that floor she didn't like. She never, never did explain what scared her. So that is the heritage of this house. Um, frontier building, awful hanging, where the victim was horribly mistreated as he died. You have to excuse me, my nose, my nose is really oh, no, running no. right now. <laughs> yeah, that is that is some horrific stuff. Yeah, so, and it, it has been... <coughs> Bless it has been claimed to be the most haunted place in the United States. You know, hundreds and hundreds of... Uh, of incidences reported, um, weird pictures, orbs, you know, everybody has covered it. It has been, you know, it, it, it only has one movie to its credit, mm -hmm. but there have been dozens of documentaries and reality shows that have featured this place. Um, so the first one that I'm going to do is, is the only movie that was ever made about this building. And it's from our pals at the asylum. <laughs> and it's called The Haunting of Waver uh, Whaley House. There we go. The Wizards of Whaley House. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I first started working here, my predecessor gave me three rules to live by. <laughs> Don't call the ghosts out. They hate that. Don't damage the house. They're very territorial. Never, never go inside the house at night. All right, that's pretty dramatic. Yes. And out of asylum movies, you know, you know, a lot of the asylum movies are pretty much um uh filmed in 30 days and released as quickly as they can get them released. <laughs> um this one has one or two scenes that are actually quite entertaining. And uh the acting is not horrible. But one of my favorite scenes from this movie is where somebody does something that this woman just told her young protege not to do, and they decide they're going to call out some ghosts because, mm. you know, their equipment just got damaged. <laughs> so here we go. Do not call out your ghosts. Bring out your dead. <laughs> What was that all about? <laughs> Just an earthquake? Not an earthquake. That was a portal, my young friends. It was trying to close, but it can't. So it's affecting our reality. Shit! They broke my equipment! You okay, man? No, I am not okay. Do you know how expensive this shit is? You just can't run down to Walmart and buy a, a tri-field meter. Damn it! Now some stupid-ass ghost has to come and break my shit? 
Cousin, it's okay. No, it's not okay! Fuck you, ghost! Do you hear me? Right. Who the hell you think you are? Breaking a man's shit! Yeah. Do you know how hard I work for the- I work a minimum wage job to afford this shit! And you're just gonna come and break it? Fuck you! Right. Be careful. They're listening. Good! I hope they hear me! Damn ghost can suck my dick! <laughs> Maybe a noise here, maybe a whisper there, but that's all crap. Right. If you're there, I want to fucking see you. Here Don't I do am. That. Come and get me, motherfucker. He's being lifted into the air. His throat is getting uh, bloody litigation mark, the strangulation marks, as if there's a noose around his neck. And the Oscar for best leading, best supporting actor goes to <laughs> somebody in the an asylum movie. There you go. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know, actually, um, no, I'm sorry. I was going to make a Ghostbusters reference. <laughs> that yeah, ghost- he does everything wrong in this one, you know? <laughs> Adam's least favorite moment from Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd and the ghost and the, because he, oh. he said S my D. So. <laughs> I, 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 I was thinking more of the, the get her scene from the library. Oh, there you go. So, uh, but uh, no, that's uh, yeah. That, that that sounds pretty creepy, though. It is. It's not bad. The acting is not. As far as asylum dialogue goes, that was brilliant. Yeah, I I will concur. I can uh, back you up on that. Yeah, because there are some pretty stinkers. You know, it's like they it's like they just you know phoned in the dialogue. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Or copy-paste from another Asylum movie. Right, right. So, yeah. So, this is is the the, the haunting of of, of Whaley House. Um, It's uh, it's a really, really cool story. And, as I said, it's been covered by a bunch of different... You know, they're like the Winchester House. They have have, uh, haunted tours. They have Mm -hmm. regular historical tours. Because it is a historical place. It's been kept up in beautiful condition. So the next thing I have are two different viewpoints on how people cover the Whaley House when they go and visit it. One is more lighthearted than the other. And the first one is BuzzFeed. You all know BuzzFeed. You know, they they do a lot of humorous content, things like that. So this is the, uh, this clip that we're coming up next is Buzz, BuzzFeed's visit, uh, the, the, the initial portion of their visit to the Whaley House. Oh my God. 
This week on BuzzFeed Unsolved, we explored the Whaley House in San Diego, California as part of our ongoing investigation, Are Ghosts Real? And what better place than the Whaley House, which was ranked by Travel Channel's America's Most Haunted as the most haunted house in America. Number one? Number one. Top of the pops? We're going to the top dog. Let's just get this over with and uh, let's get into the history. Okay. Thomas Whaley was born in New York City on October 5th, 1823. In September 1855, Thomas bought land in Old Town, San Diego, California. In 1857, Thomas constructed a two-story brick home for him and his wife, Anna, using bricks from his personal brickyard. And the result was the infamous Whaley House that we are investigating today. This is it, the famous Whaley House. Beautiful house, beautiful and house. And also, in the bustling area of Old Town, San Diego, look at this street. Even if we uh, get possessed tonight, we could have a nice brewski after. Yeah, and we will. I'm just trying to distract myself. No, right no, now. we have to go in. Okay. <laughs> you do the honors. Okay. After you? You go first. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is pleasant. You could feel the history coming from the walls in here. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Not when the history fights back. Since being built, the Whaley House has been used as many things, including a courtroom and San Diego's first commercial theater, both of which still remain in the house today. But its most famous use was as the home of Thomas and Anna Whaley and their children. All right. So there you go. There's some more comedic, the more lighthearted you know, uh, investigation into the Whaley House. Um, the ghost, uh, the ghost hunters have done it. I'm pretty sure Ghost Adventures have done it. Uh, every paranormal group out there has 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 done it. And and there's a uh, they even actually the Whaley House Whaley House does specialize in having evening tours where you could where you are uh, taken around by an authentic para uh, a paranormal investigator. Oh, okay, nice. He's, yeah, so it does. It does. Uh, it does have that. But the next one is an old vintage piece of um, uh, news footage. This was actually done by CBS Eight San Diego in 1984 about the Whaley House, and you can feel the difference between the two. Yeah, and I think I think this is where I got your opening clip because yes, I just, you did. Okay, yep. <laughs> all right. So, all right, here we go. 1984 history. The house has been around since 1856, built by a merchant named Thomas Whaley. Some people say Thomas Whaley still lives here, in spirit. We visited at night, naturally. That's when you'd expect spirits to come out. The Whaley House is a museum now, and June Redding has been the director for almost 25 years, a very pleasant, very rational woman who is convinced the Whaley House is haunted. There is no doubt in your mind, is there, that there are spirits in this oh, house? Oh, definitely. I think they'll always be here. I don't believe that they're going to leave. I think they're tied to this house. She says the spirits are friendly. They never bother people, but she says they are present. The consensus is that there are four main spirits. Thomas Whaley, his wife Anna, a little girl who used to play with the Whaley children, and a sailor named Yankee Jim Robinson. Yankee Jim was hanged for stealing a boat in 1852, four years before the Whaley house even existed, but the gallows stood right here where the downstairs archway of the house was later built. The theory is that he's still... 
his spirit supposed, house supposedly permeates this house. Um, it's manifested sometimes by footsteps, by walking. What did you think when you first heard those footsteps? Well, I, I really wanted to ignore them, to be very frank about it. But the sounds were hard to ignore. They were persistent. And sometimes we would hear a sound of someone descending the stairs. Never came to the bottom of the stairs, but they would, it would fade out. Mm -hmm. There have been other phenomena hard to explain. Mrs. Redding and others have heard music. The Whaley's loved music. There have been smells. We get a wonderful perfume, which I think is French and belonged to Mrs. Whaley. We get a fragrance of violets, like dusting powder from the girls' room upstairs here. And several times the smell of cigars, and no smoking is allowed in the Whaley house. No, and the, so the smell will travel. You've, you will swear someone's walking and smoking toward the front door. Several times, especially around the holidays, there has been the smell of cooking. No one cooks in the Whaley house anymore. We didn't encounter any strange smells while we were there. We didn't see any apparitions, but sounds, well, at one point, our audio man, Rick Corcoran, heard a scratching noise in his earphones. I was going to check the mic and see if it was something wrong with the mic box, but... Why don't you do it? It hasn't been there all night. <laughs> it just started? Yeah. He checked the mics. They seemed okay. It didn't appear to be anything wrong with the mic. But it sounded scratchy. I heard some scratches there. It hadn't been there all evening. And then there is the matter of the ninth step. You see, there's a courtroom in the Whaley House. It was the county seat from 1869 to 1871. County records were kept here. But the city fathers decided to move the records. Whaley resisted that idea. So in 1871, some men broke into the house and took the records. Anna Whaley heard the commotion, went to investigate, and was standing on the ninth step of the staircase when she was confronted by the men. They had a gun. They threatened her and her children. And to this day, on that ninth step, the air suddenly becomes much colder, really. It might just be a draft, but it is definitely colder. I feel a cool... You feel coolness there, don't you? That's right. Now, if warm air rises, what are we getting a cool updraft for? <laughs> there is a spot downstairs where June Redding is convinced something happened in the past. She says very often she can feel an invisible shield. Right there. And sometimes it hits you... Um, It'll hit you in a strange way. You'll get, you'll get a, a, a real strong chill from it. I couldn't feel a shield, but it did feel colder suddenly. Legends have grown up around the Whaley House. There are stories of screams, of bolted windows suddenly flying open. June Redding has witnessed none of that. But once she says she and another woman heard a man's laughter right behind them. It was loud, and there was no one there, except she thinks the ghost of Thomas Whaley. Proof of all this? Well, it's hard to come by. There are photographs that appear to show some kind of apparition. Then again, they might be shadows or reflections. The only real proof is to see or hear or smell something. June Redding has heard and smelled. Others claim to have seen. And they are convinced that even when the doors are locked, the lights are off, and all the people have left, this beautiful old house is still occupied. There you go. I love vintage footage like that. You know, oh, me they, too. They, they, yeah, they took a very serious attitude with it. And the BuzzFeed guys, obviously, they're doing it for comedy. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, June Redding, um, 
she's actually the one that the book references, the Haunted House book by Richard Weiner and Nancy Osborne. They actually interviewed her for the book as well. So it was kind of cool that they had her in this news report as well. Yeah, you you got to love that, you know, uh, I, I mean, it, the real digging people used to do, uh, for, and I, they still do to this day, but I mean, that was the only thing we had, you know, pre, pre-internet was, you know, books and news reports and, you know, magazines and newspapers and whatnot, radio reports, what have you. Yeah, um, before reality TV became a thing. Yeah, before everything became fake, you know. Or, yeah, or just exaggerated, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, non-scripted. <laughs> um, yeah, but here... Yeah, here you go. We're Waverly, uh, the Whaley House in, in San Diego. One of the, the it was considered the top haunted house in the United States. Very nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, anything else you you want to add uh, before we get to the trailers? Uh, nope. Um, let me get my trail let my list back up, and we can talk about the trailers. But yeah, I I, I enjoy having some good haunted houses, something fun to to you know just. I like that sort of thing, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a fan as well. I'm a skeptic, but uh, I do love the lore. You know, heck, I'm an atheist and I'm a fan of the Bible. Oh, hey, Bible's great, uh, great uh, mythology. Uh huh. <laughs> All kinds of goofy shit in there. But yeah, uh, so I have to uh, pull up our our. It came from Cleveland because the document's not opening for me right now. So. Oh, okay. But yeah, so we've got All another right. great three trailers celebrating uh, October birthdays. Yes, this one's going to be a fun little one. Um, we have um, a Mr. Stephen Moyer, born October 11th, 1969 in Brentwood, Essex. He plays um, a vampire in a fun little TV series that ran for a good... Uh, run from 2008 to 2014 called True Blood. Oh, yes. Okay. Then we have... Yeah, oh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I've read the series, too. The book series is excellent as well. So, um, the, uh, the, Our next uh, October birthday is Lynn Shea, born October 12th, 1943, Detroit, Michigan. She's in a fun little creepy movie called Gothic Harvest from 2019 and then we have a favorite uh, movie for most of us I think we have Tisha Campbell born October 13th 1968 in Oklahoma City she plays Chiffon from a little movie called Little Shop of Horrors 1986 she was one of the singers I just listed the VHS copy of this. <laughs> oh, woot! Hey. And and uh, and relisted uh, the original with uh, Jack Nicholson. So, all right, here we go. We'll be right back. Just let me have just one beer tonight, Jesus. What the hell is this music? Man, I cannot wait to get the hell out of this podunk town. Well, make sure you do, and before it's too late, because every year you wait, you just get more and more stuck here. Believe me, I know. How'd she know what I was thinking? That's weird. <laughs> I'll get you all some ketchup. Guess what happened tonight? You got a date. Um, no. 
a vampire came into the bar. You know how many people are having sex with vampires these days? You would be surprised people you know. Sometimes those people disappear. Apparently there's this vampire bar in Treefort. Fantasia. Fantasia? He's setting up a date with a vampire? What do you have, a death wish? You look like vampire bait. So are you saying you think I look nice? Vampires think about one thing, and one thing only. Drinking your blood. I think we need to stop seeing each other. What are you? I told you. I'm a waitress. for more than a minute. Go get her. Can you open this? Whiskey. No, 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 no. That's for amateurs. Sazerac. Well, we just left a bar where we were with a friend and she got really drunk and disappeared and, and now she's not answering her phone. Wow. You know, boy, that's the first time I heard that during Mardi Gras. Take a little bit of this and I top it right off here into here. Makes your joints catch on hellfire. Your friend is in real trouble. Let's get started. It all began in this little shop. Ow! Damn roses! Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happened. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. No, it's not. What kind of a weirdo plant is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy, unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plan? A girl. You don't make a nice voice when you live on Skidrow, Mr. Mushnick. Seymour, this is my date, my boyfriend. A florist. I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. Feed me Seymour. And a plant. Feed me all night long. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Whoa! Catch me now! I'm just a mean green brother from outer space and I'm Yes! Rick Moranis. Man's a total disgrace to the dental profession. Ellen Green. Excuse me. Excuse me what? That's better. Vincent Gardenia, with special guest appearances by Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill Murray. It's your professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors.
doesn't want you because you're mean and evil. He wants me because I'm nice and sweet and pure. So fuck off. <laughs> there you go. Forgot about that clip. Yeah, yeah that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so welcome back. Ooh, Bill Murray. He's in a little bit of hot water lately. He's uh, there are stories coming out against him like crazy. Threw Seth Green uh -oh. in a garbage can when he was a child. Oh, that's mean. Nine years old, threw him off a couch into a garbage can. And there's all other, all kinds of other allegations coming out about him. Uh, he did a movie that Aziz Ansari did, and he accosted a woman. He straddled her and, and forcibly kissed her with masks on during COVID. And uh, apparently, yeah, a lot of other stuff. But, uh, uh -oh. yeah, yeah. So, oh, uh, Bill Murray. Been a bad guy. Um so, anyway, uh, welcome back uh, to the program. Thank you, Michelle, for that uh, awesome uh, haunted uh, trip down uh, uh, Spooky Lane. You are most welcome. The Whaley House, one of my favorites. That's a good one. It's a very good one. So, uh, oh, and by the way, you remember that VHS tape I was telling you about? The that TLC tape that had uh, night visitors. Um, yes. And it was just in a generic sleeve and. It's like really rare and nobody else had it available anywhere. And I put it up for $60. It sold today. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that. And that was just sitting in the gar in the garage forever. And I'm like, eh, nobody's going to buy that. But then a little research and a little elbow grease and uh, you get it out. Get some money for it. But, 60 uh, bucks? You probably, you probably made bank on the whole lot then. Oh, well, that that was from the first big lot we paid $400 for last summer and the King's Highway one. And uh, that one, uh, we've like quadrupled our money back on it. So everything Beautiful. we sell out, sell out of it is 100% profit. So, um, and uh, of course, uh, welcome back, uh, Joe. Thanks again for the review. Of uh, Lock and Key. Sounds fun. Happy to do it. And Miles, thank you uh, again for uh, Terror Beneath the Sea. <laughs> it's a different kind of terror. Yeah, yeah. So, The Horrors of War. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, that's real horror. So, uh, so anyway, back to the fake horror. Uh, I got a couple uh, things here that are... A couple movies that are really disturbing. Um, well, actually... Two are a little more kind of uh, a little lighter, but still disturbing. Uh, one I found for Joe. It's a, it's the only movie on the list I haven't seen, um, but I we have it in our store, and I want to stream it. And I think it's out there on Netflix or something. But uh, it has a, an actor from Stranger Things in it, Joe. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. But uh, from 2017. There is a movie with Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell and um, a really uh, excellent bad guy. And I don't remember his name, but I'm going to find out. He's going to be the next Joker, I believe. Um, but uh, there's a movie from 2017, uh, 2017 that is just uh, a nightmare called Killing of a Sacred Deer. Have you seen that, Michelle? No, I have not. Terrible. It was directed by the same guy who did the Lobster um, with Colin Farrell. Uh, so apparently they're they're big collaborators. But I'll get more information yeah. when I play the trailer. So yeah, I remember uh, seeing the Beguiled, but okay. not 
Yeah, so kill, Killing of a Sacred Deer 2017. Good afternoon. You must be Martin. That's right. You must be Anna. That's right. I brought you some little gifts. That's very kind of you. It's a keyring with a musical note on it for Kim because I know she likes music. What a charming boy. How long have you known him? Quite some time. His father was a patient of mine. I wanted to say one more thing. I'm really sorry about Bob. It's nothing serious. No, it is. They will all get sick and die. Bob will die. Kim will die. Your wife will die. Understand? No, I don't. My mom's attracted to you. She's got a great body. He's got issues. Serious psychological issues. You do realize, Stephen, we're in this situation because of you. Okay. Um, this movie, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but um, eh, the, the, yeah, uh, uh, the actor's name I was trying to think of is uh, Barry uh, Keoghan, who uh, was also, he was in the Eternals movie. Um, as one of the Eternals, I don't remember which one. I don't remember all their names. Um, and he's been he's been in a lot of stuff. He's a real creepy actor. Um, and he's been in um, uh, let me see a movie called Love Hate from 2013. And uh, he was in Dunkirk 2017. Miles, uh, you probably saw that movie. Oh yeah. And um, real young looking guy. Uh, very distinctive face, um, and uh, yeah, he's only 29 years old. Uh, he was uh, born in Dublin, Ireland, and um, yeah, he's uh, he's hailed as uh, an amazing uh, young actor, and he was in the deleted scene for the uh, Robert Pattinson version of Batman. Uh, as the Joker uh, in an adjacent cell with the Riddler. So let's see if that comes to fruition. But Killing of a Sacred Deer certainly was probably an audition tape for him to play the Joker. I can tell you that. Because uh, the acting is very stiff and stilted and strange. You could probably hear it in there. But the the horror of what starts to happen in the movie is really just insane. It is, it's, it's an insane film and the ending is just gut wrenching. Um, uh, and, uh, in his motivation is really twisted. The, the young guys, uh, um, oh it, uh, yeah. And, um, the, the story is inspired by the ancient Greek tragedy. Uh, man, I'm going to butcher this. Um, the, uh, Iphigenia, in uh Aulis by Euripides. So Oh, uh, Euripides. <laughs> Not yeah. a fun playwright. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's 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 very, very tragic. Um but uh yeah, it, the um uh Colin Farrell plays uh the, a doctor who introduces this kid to his family and then his family starts to be fall mysteriously ill they lose the 
use of their legs. They start bleeding from the eyes. Really crazy stuff. And then, again, the ending is uh, very, very creepy. Um, yeah, from what, from what I read about the plot, it sounds like the family wasn't all that idyllic to begin with. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, you know, you can hear it in the way the, uh, um, the acting is, um, you know. And uh, now this one, the, the next one uh, is from 2019. Um, it's a psychological horror thriller with uh, Octavia Spencer who is just a, a magnificent actress. She, of course, uh, was... Um, uh, she's an Academy Award winner, Golden Globe uh, winner, and she has been active from 1996 until now, and her filmography includes uh, Never Been Kissed, being John Malkovich, uh, Big Mama's House. Uh, she actually had a role in Spider-Man, SWAT, um uh the nines pulse pretty ugly people seven pounds drag me to hell jesus people the movie halloween 2 um from 2009 and uh dinner for schmucks the help of course is minnie jackson huge role for her in that and uh percy jackson and the sea monsters um you know the list goes on and on zootopia I think I think I know the movie you're talking about. <laughs> Two letters. It's one. It's one character. Oh, yeah. One character shorter than eight millimeter. <laughs> it's simply called Ma from 2019, where a bunch of stupid kids in a small town decide that they want to go drinking. So what do they do? They find a woman outside of the liquor store and they beg her to buy her booze. Buy them booze. And it eh, doesn't really play out. <laughs> Are you going to meet a boy? No sex or booze. Okay. Woo! Maggie came to party. Let's get filthy. Got you sipping on it. Got you talking crazy. Excuse me. Can you buy some booze for my friends and I? <sighs> Not interested. Please? Heal. Oh, there's my girl. This never happened, okay? Thanks again for doing this, ma'am. You guys want to party like rock stars? Follow me. Let's get drunk! The bar is open. What do you think? We don't know this chick. It ain't much, but it's all you. Cool basement. You're free to do whatever you want down here, but nobody go upstairs. This is so sick. Welcome to Mars. What? Love, Ma. It's five o'clock. I want to pause it real quick. Um, uh, what was that about telling kids not to do things? Yeah. <laughs> Don't go upstairs. What did they do? Somewhere. <laughs> How did she get our numbers? You know where the party is. Mm. Those earrings are beautiful, Maggie. You got a sweet mama, huh? Who are you with? Just some kids from school. <laughs> you have a boyfriend. <laughs> Men are dogs. There's something off about Ma. Seriously? She's harmless. And her basement's pretty much the best drinking spot in town. We can't go up there. Shh. Oh. What the hell? Thanks for these earrings. What happened last night? You don't remember, do you? Are you guys mad at me for something? I don't want to hang out at Ma's anymore. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. 
want you to meet someone. Nice to meet you, Maggie. We went to high school together. Why is my son... He smelled just like your daddy. ...spending time at your house? <laughs> hey, guys. That bitch is crazy. Probably something wrong with me. How does it feel to be on the outside looking in? Let's get this party turned up! This is the most fun I've had in a long time. <laughs> okay, so this movie is, it, it is a little, it, it's its wrong, it's scary, it's messed up, but it, it's, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and I, I love uh, the um, uh, Tate Taylor, uh, the, uh, uh, um, the director said, uh, initially Ma came together as a result of Taylor's de desire to direct something, uh, about, uh, to direct a film about something fucked up and Spencer's desire to break from the, uh, the kinds of roles she usually gets to play. And, uh, Taylor and Spencer are longtime friends having worked together on films such as the help in get on up. So, um, yeah, this was released by Blumhouse and it made, it had a tiny budget Considering a, a, a five million dollar budget made six sixty one point two million dollars. Blumhouse does some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. They really do. And I'm this one just when I saw this one, I, it kind of blew me away because I knew the actress and I love her. And she usually plays, you know, like a, a nice comedy role or something, you know, something a little light. And this was not light. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but yeah. All it, I can say is needle and thread. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so the next one, this one I picked uh, exp expressly for Joe for his uh, newfound uh, love of uh, um, uh, Stranger Things. <clears throat> oh, you... Um, Old Kurt Kunkel himself, Joe Keery, Joe, is in a movie from 2020 called Spree. And basically this takes on like the, the social influ social media influ influencers and uh, the idea of um, like Uber drivers and, you know, Lyft drivers and things like that and people's constant desire to be noticed on the internet um uh for for doing outrageous things well spree is um yeah jo joe Keery plays um oh no i'm sorry uh he plays kurt kunkel in spree um joe Keery in stranger things however uh is steve joe harrington yeah steve harrington i'm sorry so yeah um and, uh, yeah, so, uh, this, but yeah, so he's, uh, 30 years old, uh, believe it or not. And, um, this movie is, is pretty wild. Again, this, this one's a little on the lighter end of the spectrum, but still pretty scary, uh, of a thriller. So here you go. Here's a relatively short trailer for Spree from 2020. For all of you out there who don't know me, get ready. Cause you're about to know me. Hey, I don't see any cops around. Should I blow this next one? Fucking <laughs> I'm Kurt. Hey 
guys. Hey guys. What's up guys? And we're gonna inject this right on the label. Does this water have like a taste to it? Airtight. Uh, well, watertight. <laughs> if you're not documenting yourself, you just don't exist. <laughs> the mouthfeel on this? Otherworldly. What we're doing here is important. We're creating a brand. You're following me, you guys! Fuck yeah! The fucking gun? You don't know what this job's like. You Put don't know. That fucking no, gun no. Where are you going? I'm taking you home. This is not the way to my fucking house, Kurt. Oh no, not your home. My home. <laughs> oh, not your home. My home. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so uh, David Arquette's also in this. So is Misha Barton and uh, 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 oh gosh, I'm sorry, I lost the page again. Um, and uh, yeah, and I don't know if you've seen the movie poster for it on Wikipedia or not, Joe, but it's uh, something. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so yeah, I picked that one for you since you're a fan of Stranger Things. I thought you'd like to see Nice Guy Steve uh in a in an upside down role for him so not so nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> no so there he you go it reminds me a little bit of uh what's his face's character from the the grindhouse movie the the guy with the the oh uh, with the death car you know he take the girls and he he is wearing the right like the racing harness and they were like no heart no seatbelt or anything oh just, i don't know that one a kurt uh, from uh, the thing, um, Goldie Hans guy. Oh, Kurt, yeah, Russell. Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, you, you, the not, not Planet Terror, but the other one. Yeah, he he was he was driving the car. He was just like a an old stunt driver, and he just he became a homicidal maniac. And he put he get pick up these girls and put them in his car, and he'd have this racing harness on, and they wouldn't. And the interior of the car was like all steel, and he just trashed them. By you know doing yeah. all these crazy maneuvers and stuff. Yeah, this one uh, it, it, he basically it shows him poisoning water bottles that he gives to his passengers, um, and uh, running, backing over people, running over people, <laughs> running through stop signs, and of course creative use of a sunroof. Yeah. Oh yeah, creative use of a sunroof indeed. And uh, yeah, and he uh, uh, this this basically. Uh, you know, he, he streams everything and I'm assuming I haven't seen it yet, but I'm guessing he probably gets caught or dead or something, I but, so. uh, it's, it's been compared uh, to American psycho for the streaming age or the, you know, the, the, uh, social influencer age. Um, but yeah, so there you go. There's all my recommendations for, uh, psychological horror thrillers, uh, tonight on the show. So. Uh, it looks it, like you watch it on Hulu. Awesome. There you go. So, 
you know, it's probably only about an hour and a half, so it could be a fun little watch. I still have to watch it myself because uh, I don't want to open my perfectly new Blu-ray copy that I have for sale. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so there it is. There's all my recommendations, and it's time to end the show. We've gone over. Um, but, uh, thanks for your patience, everybody, for me right going long in the beginning. And, uh, Joe, I'm glad you were able to make it, uh, back. And I'm sorry. I feel bad for not noticing you were there, uh, until you were there for 10 minutes. Next time, speak up. I will. I'll scream. Yeah, scream. scream. Yes. Scream. Uh, like this. Say okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hiss. The I'll Wilhelm. scream. The Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Oh, wow. It's been a while since I've... Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> um, seriously? Where is the Wilhelm scream? Oh, my God. You uh, lost Wilhelm scream? I can't believe it. This is... Uh, oh, okay. Here we go. Um, I guess I misspelled it. There you go. Just do that. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, okay. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Joe, what do you got on the way out of the show? Oh, Vincent Price fans, you're in for a treat on Saturday night on Spangoolie. The Tingler. Oh, yeah. Yes. Might I add, is available on DVD at Voodoo Zombie UV. <laughs> <laughs> you have it in the store? Uh, what's that? Yeah, you I do. I do. I yeah, just got. Okay. I just got it in the store. I swear to God, I like. You know, <laughs> I predict what Svengoolie's gonna play, and I end up finding it somewhere, and I put it in the store because, like, the last four things I have for sale. Oh well, the Tingler. Yes, yes, and uh, I'll be telling a little uh, fairy tale on Sunday on Tim's show. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah we're gonna do. Uh, um, Herschel's uh, Herschel's uh, fables. All right. Have you heard of Herschel Walker's fables? Uh, no, but I'm sure I'll find out about it soon. Uh, oh, the the cow and the bull and the bears. The bull. Yeah, I'll show you. Here's the the show art for. And the fact that he never paid for an abortion—that's a fable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that guy. Well, that guy. Okay. The horny bull. The horny bull story. Oh, and, boy. Uh, only we're going to do the uh, the hare and the tortoise. There you go. Of course. Oh, yes. my. Yes. It's going to be fun. It was pre-recorded, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. And, uh, Michelle, what do you got? Um, not much. Uh, uh just uh, the Halloween season's coming <gasps> upon us. Be safe, everyone. Have fun. Um, and, uh, get your spooky on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, Miles, uh, you get the last word. So, recently, uh, NASA launched a rocket at, uh, an asteroid to see if they could deflect it. And they, uh, there's, there's, there's things on YouTube and stuff watching this, uh, thing, uh, pictures of it imploding uh, or attacking. Anyway, they had hoped to get about... The worst case that they they, they, they thought calculation wise, they get about a twenty second, twenty seven second drop in this asteroid's orbit around a larger asteroid, showing that this is was feasible and that it could be done. Instead of twenty seven seconds, what they got was thirty two minutes. So, big big success. 
Very nice. Anything else? Nope, nope. That's it. Just wanted to share right. that. Well, I would like to call out the the James Webb clickbait asshole who makes these videos that go into my news feed because it's like they're always they're always like shocking discovery horrific everything we know is changed the universe is gonna you know i mean just the, the most fucking ridiculous titles for these youtube videos and i click on the video and it's 45 minutes long and it's like i'm not watching that i will just go to nasa's website and find the real story but yeah, yeah. And also, I want to call out the clickbaiters who are making fake trailers for upcoming Marvel and DC and sci-fi and whatever movies. New teaser trailer, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. The movie doesn't come out, like, for forever. There is no trailer for it. If you see one of these things, throw it out. Just say, not interested in this. I, it's called Screen Culture. There's a, there's a YouTube channel called Screen Culture. That makes nothing but bullshit fake videos with recycled content from old movie trailers from like the the you know the previous installments of the series, and then they'll find the actor in like another movie having some kind of speech about this that or the other thing, and they put these fake trailers out, and they duped me like two times in the last year, and uh, I'm not having it anymore. I'm not having it. It's not a real Quantum Mania trailer. It's not a real anything. It's fake. It's bullshit. And you know, and and thank you, Trump, for for <clears throat> giving the world, uh, you know, license to just share lies after lies after lies, and and warp reality into fiction. Nonsense. So, and of course, his latest lies. Same old, same old. Anyway, that's it. That's my Are rant. Are you sure it's not Barack Biden's fault? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that damn long line at Dollar Tree. We'll tell that story another time. Everybody, everybody have a good night. Good night. I don't know.